It's that time of the year where you might want to try to kick off a new year with a fitness journey. Cryo and More has all your holistic healing needs with cold therapy, heat therapy, and pressure therapy, which shortcuts the time you have to spend recovering from your workout or minimize the muscle soreness you feel from physical activity. Cryo Skin is a body hack that speeds up the death cycle of the fat cells using non-invasive technology that uses heat and cold to eliminate fat cells. Your greatest wealth is your health. Visit cryoandmore.com or head over to the location off of Virginia Parkway in McKinney. If you're looking for a new gun safe, you need to check out the Performance Firearm Storage Solutions from Securit. Unlike traditional safes, Securit products are designed to perform for you. They're lightweight, so you can discreetly store them in any room in the house, and the interior is completely customizable to fit your guns and gear. I would know. I've got four of them. Their fast-access storage system keeps my guns and optics organized so they never touch each other or get damaged, and I'm never more than an arm's length away from a firearm. The best part? They're always running great sales. Head over to SecureItGunStorage.com backslash cable to see their latest promotion, and you can thank me later. And I got this girl back home I call my wife. If you ever met her, I swear she would change your life. She's got a little wild streak in her heart. She's been saying hallelujah every day. I like to hear the highway sounds. I don't think All right, a little Pat Green and Willie Nelson, Red Bear, Gypsy Soul, kicking things off for us. On SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Mossberg Firearms, this is episode 686. I'm your host, Cable Smith. Appreciate you dropping by today. There's no place I'd rather be than right here, talking hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies with you fine folks. So do appreciate you. Uh, we've got a good one lined up for you today. I'll tell you all about it. But first, um, what have you been up to in the outdoors, or have you just been living that lake life. Maybe you've been to the beach. I don't know. We've done a little bit of both here lately. It's been so damn hot. Uh, but my mind is getting back onto hunting and the deer lease and, you know, checking those stealth cams every day. Well, it doesn't take a lot of effort. They just send me live updates right there to the, the app on the phone. Uh, but watching the bucks put on that antler growth and ended up uh, finally purchasing a camper for the deer lease this past week, Henry and I spent all of last season in a tent. And let me tell you, December, January, whoo, that got a little chilly, <laughs> but he toughed it out. We had space heaters in there, you know, the buddy heater, uh, snuggled up with a dog on a blow up mattress. No more. Uh, uh-uh. we, uh, we got the camper and let me tell you, that is a seedy, seedy business. Um, uh, buying used campers from folks, man. Uh, bait and switch so many times, drive to Fort Worth, drive to West Tarrant County, only to get there and, you know, the the camper, oh, sorry, we sold it earlier this morning. I just called you like 30 minutes ago and you said it was here. And they're like, yeah, we sold it. But, 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 let me show you these other campers, of course, nothing that I wanted. Uh, and they knew they'd sold it when they told me. The old bait and switch. Uh, and then another time, I get there and, you know, the pictures on Facebook uh, Marketplace make this camper look beautiful. And I get there, and one of the slide outs is literally being a held in place with a ratchet strap that goes around the entire exterior of the camper. Otherwise, that, that thing was going to fall right out. But that wasn't in the photo. I was like, uh, I don't even need to go inside. Thank you, and uh, have a nice day. Thanks for wasting my time. So anyway, it, it makes me nervous having that much 
cash just burning a hole in my pocket. For the most part, it stayed in the gun safe here in the studio. Uh, but on those occasions when I would take it out thinking I was going to go buy a camper, another one had a terrible just cockroach infestation. I was like, nope. Oh, and then there was one that uh, you opened the door and it was like, whoo, what is that smell? Something had spoiled in the refrigerator at some point. And I was like, no, I'm good. Uh, thanks. Thanks anyway. <laughs> I don't know if they probably never sold that camper. Um, but yeah, this dude, and, and think about it, it's crisp $100 bills from the bank. Uh, and I had set a budget for, of let's just say, twelve grand. I think that's what Aaron and I uh, agreed upon for a camper that's just going to sit at the deer lease. That's a lot of money. So I found this one for 7900 bucks, And I go out there, and the dude is honest, and he's saying, man, it's a great day to be alive. God's going to bless me today. And I was like, ah, I like this guy's vibe. And I ended up overpaying him by 200 bucks. And as I'm driving away, you know, with the camper, um, he runs out and he's like, hey, my son counted the money. I think you overpaid us by $200. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, I think some of the money was stuck together. And he was like, my son's counting it again. Just hang tight for one sec. And sure enough, his son walks out and hands him the 200 bucks. He hands it to me. And he's like, yeah, we're not trying to fleece people here. And uh, the good Lord's going to judge me if I'm not honest. Here's your 200 bucks. I was like, man, in a crazy world that's full of negativity, there's still a light in the world. Uh, It was cool. Uh, So got the camper way under budget. It's a 30 something foot long, 32 maybe has the bunkhouse in the back with the four twin beds for the kiddos. And, uh, and it's a 2009. It ain't anything fancy, but it's going to sit at the lease and uh, we're going to absolutely love it for sure. So now it's a baptism by fire as far as, you know, I think there's a learning curve. How do you hook up the uh, sewage and yeah, there's uh, and oh, do I need to reseal the roof and all these other things associated with owning a camper that are all Greek to me, man. Uh, but we're going to uh, dive in head first and figure it all out. Any advice though? Uh, send me an email if you if you own a camper. Anything that I need to know. Um, what are we doing today? Let me tell you, my good friend Baker Levitt, who is plugged in all over the outdoor community. Uh, he'll be here in studio has flown all the way from Florida, I believe, just to be here for today's show. Um, He's a a veteran hunter of um, Africa. He's been many times to Africa. He's a passionate elk hunter, uh, big game hunter, and just adventurer and and entrepreneur. That's a very important component of today's piece. Um, He's been to the top of the mountain and seen everything crumble below him hit rock bottom, and then crawled his way back to the top of the mountain once again. Uh, so interesting stuff to get into with Baker. He He's a straight shooter. He tells it like it is. That I do promise. Uh, so it's going uh, to be interesting. I guarantee you that. I'm pumped about it. Uh, and we will get into that momentarily. Let's do a quick giveaway. This, uh, this week, it is brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee, veteran-owned, unapologetically American and we've got a $100 gift card to give away today, which, of course, you can use on your favorite coffee roast or some of that kick-ass swag that uh, Black Rifle has become known for. Uh, just email the word rifle, that's rifle, to Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com, and you are entered into today's giveaway. Coming up next, Baker Levitt joins us in studio on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show.
Land is the one thing they're not making any more of, but we all want it. And Lone Star Ag Credit has been helping its borrowers finance their own piece of paradise for over a hundred years. They'll do the same for you. If you're ready to take that next step and make the dream of owning your own land reality, then head over to LoneStarAgCredit.com. Let me tell you about the Armorsite 640 contractor. It is the industry-leading thermal technology and a very user-friendly rifle scope. A 640 Armor Core 12 Micro made in the USA Thermal Core. It's got a four-hour onboard recording, four-hour runtime on a full charge, USB and Wi-Fi streaming, uh, eight user-selectable reticles and six color palettes, and the most user-friendly interface out there because you're operating these things in the dark. So uh, that's very important. You can find the contractor, the 640, or its little brother, the 320, right there at armorsite.com. Well, I pulled in, she climbed up, $80 worth of diesel in a pickup truck, and we're heading to J&D's liquor store before they close. Cable Smith, welcome everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Mossberg Firearms. Thank you for being here. We've got Baker Levitt here in studio with us, a fascinating dude. We're going to get to know him and uh, and talk a lot of hunting today. Uh, before we do that, though, this segment brought to you by SCI, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. I am a proud member. I'd love for you to join our ranks because you're not going to find a more dedicated group of people that are trying to protect your right to hunt, to fish, to own a gun, and uh, to practice sustainable use hunting, both domestically and internationally. For more info, head over to safariclub.org. And with that being said, uh, let's get into it with our guest today, Maker Levitt. We're recording now? We're rolling. Yeah, but so the thing, here's the deal with Texas. All, Texas is the one state that has... First, 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 I got to introduce you. Okay. So, okay, Baker. Well, thanks for being here, making the, the trek from Georgia. Florida. Florida. Yeah. Okay. You're in yeah, Florida. Absolutely. Why did I think Georgia for some reason? I'm from Georgia. Ah, and okay. our farms are in Georgia. So I hunt a lot of my whitetail hunting stuff's in Georgia. Okay. But I live in Florida. Gotcha. Yeah. But what I was saying was Texas is one of those states where management practices that work here don't necessarily work in other places. Mm-hmm. And they do things differently. Texas is really the only place where like they call and it actually does make some sense because mm-hmm. culling doesn't make sense scientifically. But in right. Texas, yeah, they make it work because they literally know every single deer on the property. But Texas is the is the one state that um, has its own set of rules. We, we're proud of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> have but, you um, have you shot a deer in a high fence? Have I ever killed a deer in a yeah. high fence? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, because there, you know. There's three axis deer in here. Mm-hmm. There's a scimitar horned oryx. Uh, one. There's one white tail in here that have all been shot in a high fence. And yeah. it those trophies are beautiful, but they don't mean as much to me. Although, like we were talking about, I think axis deer in a high fence setting are infinitely smarter than a white tail in a high fence setting. Although you go hunt like in an urban situation or go out to the Midwest and try to bow hunt. A whitetail, that's a very smart animal, a yes. mature whitetail. So Camp Bailey, mm-hmm. uh, my good buddy Camp, he's got 6,000 acres under high fence in Uvalde, outside of Uvalde. Mm-hmm. And um, those whitetail in there are the dumbest 
whitetail I've ever hunted. Yeah. The axis, it's, it doesn't matter. There might as well not be a fence. Yeah. Because it's just not. So my buddy, when I lived in San Antonio, my buddy John Hughes has 200 acres in uh, Pearsall or po- Pearsall or po- Poteet. Mm-hmm. And um, he's like, yeah, you can come shoot an axis because I want to just meet. Yeah. And dude, like that fall, like I remember I sat in that in a different stand down there so many different Saturdays, like just watching the Georgia game. So I'm a big Georgia football fan. Mm-hmm. I never shot an axis. It's yeah. in 200 acres. And I was hunting feeders. Yeah. And I swear to you, they would always hang down right past a clear shot. Like there was like a little draw and that's where they hung out and I could see their spines. Uh-huh. But I never, ever got a shot at one. And it used to infuriate me. Mm. Infuriating. So, yeah, the high, I don't have a problem hunting stuff in high fence. Like I've killed, I've killed, I've shot plenty of stuff in high fence. I don't yeah. care. I've never shot in, I've shot deer. I've shot it. I shot one axis in a high fence. I've shot Melissa's shot a couple bucks mm-hmm. in a, in a high fence. Um, I killed one pigs. That doesn't count pigs. You just shoot pigs. Um, and some turkeys, but turkeys don't acknowledge. Right. Right. Offense. It doesn't. Although I've seen them like we've been hunting turkeys and trying to call them across a high fence. <laughs> oh my God, dude, just walk back and forth. Like I'm too stupid to figure out how to, Oh wait, I can fly. But, yeah. I've I've called a turkey once, and I have a witness. Jeff Tucker was there. I called a turkey over a creek, mm-hmm. and the border of this high fence was like planted pecans, like like established hardwoods. And I called a turkey over, flew in over both of those, landed, saw the decoy turn around, sprinted away. <laughs> it's infuriating. But um, uh, Doctor Michael Chamberlain. He's a PhD. He's known as Wild Turkey Doc. Yeah, his son's the one that passed away. Yeah, Austin. Yeah. Uh, two Decembers ago, yeah, a car accident. Um, he said that turkeys, the best thing for wild turkey habitat is, is high fence because huh. it has everything that they need, which is uh, predator control, food, water, and habitat. Yeah. And he's he'll he'll shoot a turkey underneath a feeder. He has no problem with that, but he will not hunt a turkey out of a ground blind. Huh. Yeah, he says it's not natural. I was like, well, what? but you would shoot one legally, like, yeah, on a feeder. He's like, yeah, but your high fences provide predator control, habitat, food, and water, and that's how turkey. It's weird fences. how we all have those little individual hangups. Like, I personally won't shoot one out of a ground line because I don't want to deer hunt turkeys. Which to me, that's what it is. It's like I can sit. I do that all deer season. I don't want to sit in a damn blind for turkeys. I want to be out in the woods chasing those bad. That's the that's another Texas thing is that we don't hunt deer out of ground blinds in, in the South. Yeah, but you guys because you don't have trees, generally speaking, in the South state, Texas for sure. You will hunt deer out of a ground blind. The thought of hunting a deer out of a ground blind to me is absurd because there's that. Just, so what are you just tree stands or what? Yeah, well, yeah. all the stuff we we have tons of uh, we we have elevated blinds, yeah. and then we have tree stands and lock ones and stuff like that. I prefer tree stand or elevated blind, although. That's not true. I've deer hunt out of a pop-up. My son shot uh, a nice eight point yeah. out of a pop-up. It was cool because we set it all up like the day before. And dude, the deer, uh, this is on a 4,000 acre low fence or deer lease. I walked right by the pop-up like 10 yards in front of us. Kind of looked like but the wind was perfect. And that pop-up had not been there. We just put it up right. the day before. And my son was asleep because it's, you know, we've got in there at 5 a.m. to not disturb everything. Sun comes up, 6.30, here comes the buck. I wake him up. 
I let him, I let the deer get to the feeder before I like nudge him like, Hey dude, dude, you know, he wakes up, he's like, Oh man. And, uh, yeah, he smoked him. It was awesome. The, um, as long as the blind's been there for a while and established. They don't care. But, no. But this deer didn't care either. Like, it, we just put it there. It, that, that, that just happens, man. Like, there's days yeah. when, like, you can do everything perfectly and everything can be perfect. And it doesn't work out. And then there's days where you do everything wrong. Oh. It's wrong. Everything's wrong. I think those and days just, happen more often than the yeah, perfect Yeah, you just ones. can't beat the deer off with a stick. You know, yeah. It's just, it's nuts to me. Yeah. Um, but one of the things I want to correct myself, I, hunting, one thing I learned, and this was new like last year, was hunting out of a ground blind is actually a really good way of controlling your scent. Mm-hmm. If you keep windows that you don't need open, closed, yeah. it, 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 it locks in scent. It holds scent in. Yeah. Those yeah. guys from Seek One use those things. Mm-hmm. Like they'll start like, and another thing that's interesting, I like box blinds and ground blinds um, because I don't like sitting still. Mm-hmm. I like working, getting things done on my phone, you know, keeping myself occupied. Yeah. As I'm not the guy that I'm not a guy that can get in a blind or a stand or a lock horn and sit motionless for hours. I, I don't, I, I don't do that. I've definitely done, like I was telling you when I leased that 20 acres here in Collin County, um, like that was sometimes the convenient thing was drive 10 minutes from here and be hunting. But also like when I had that big buck on camera, there were a lot of all day sits and those were miserable. I didn't, I didn't like it. It was a means to an end. I never killed the deer, but I do. I didn't. Some people are like, Oh yeah, I'd love to sit all day. No, I do not love that one bit, but I do it. Midwestern people do that. Cause they only have like their gun, like Illinois, their gun mm-hmm. season is it's a shotgun slug season. It's like three days. Mm-hmm. And those dudes will sit dark to dark. Oh yeah. I hate dark to dark. I, I mean, I've I, hunted Pike County, Illinois. I've hunted, done two muzzleloader hunts there. They drop you off. Okay, we'll see you at dark. But I was, I, well, no. Some some of those days were in a tree stand. Some of them were in like a, a little box blind in the ag field. Which though, that's another thing. The Midwestern guys who are like, oh, I don't ever hunt over bait. You know, like Phew. I sat in your in your bait field. Basically, the outfitter leased X number of bushels or bought from the farmer, so he didn't harvest them. And then they would go in there. And every time they had a new hunting group in, where they do archery, they do shotgun, and they do muzzleloader, they would go in there and they would mow strips of soy, beans, or corn, whatever it was on the farm, and you would hunt over that. I'm like, there wasn't a piece of, of it was, first of all, manipulated agriculture, and secondly, I could shoot anything that walked in there. Their entire state is, is a bait pile. Right. Kansas, and good for them. I'm not knocking it, but Kansas, then you're like, oh, we don't. Kansas and Iowa? Yeah. It's a state is all bait. It's all yeah. it is. Which is great. I would never a, hunt over bait. Why would you? You have 3,000 acres of corn in <laughs> right. front of you. Like, well, I don't get it. Like, yeah. Of course not. Yeah. What are you talking about? Um, uh, yeah. They, they, but they hunt over like... I shot a really nice tall town eight-pointer in Missouri a few years ago uh, over turnips. Huh. And they do something out there like they'll come in and... Not this place, but like they'll fly over in a plane and dump a bunch of turnips out. Hmm. Into fields and stuff. Like, it's it's the strangest thing. Weird. Yeah, it's completely I, weird. I've, I mean, I know that some of the the uh, mixes out there have turnips in them when you're, yeah. you know, you're planting food plots. But that's weird. That just I've never heard of them dumping them out of a plane. Oh, yeah. Huh. Weird stuff, dude. One of the weird things I saw was this year uh, I was hunting in Sonora, Mexico for mule deer. And oh. they have a bunch of uh, orange production there in yeah. that in that area. And so they will, the outfitters will buy 
the discarded orange refuse, like uh, the pulp and the peel and everything, and they will let it ferment, and then they'll set that out in their feet, in like where the feeders are, and the deer and, and javelina just absolutely love that rotted. It's basically rotted orange piles. Really? Uh huh. Like huge piles of it. Like they dump it back a truck up and dump it out. Dude, I watched them eat it. Yeah, it was crazy. I had something learned something new. Fermented. Did it orange. make them drunk? I don't. I don't know if it made them drunk or I didn't. They were pretty. They were tough to hunt. So. Did you get one? Uh, yeah, I got two. <laughs> A good size? The first one was not a good size, and I've told this story. Um, the outfitter, dude, it's old. I mean, you're riding around in a high rack, and we have like a 70-year-old Hispanic Mexican guy that's saying, let's go this way, let's do this. We see a nice eight-point, and he's like, let's go around this way. And I'm thinking, let's just get out and stalk him, right? And and he's like, no, we need to drive around here. It'll be, I think he just didn't want to get out and walk. He's old. And we get over, we, we drive like 10 minutes. I'm like, there's no way that deer's going to be over here. We, we just drove two miles, basically. We get we go down this road, and he's like, yeah, there he is. And I'm like, okay. I asked my buddy that I'm there with, I said, tell him to score it. Because I don't want to shoot anything that's under 170. You want a trophy mule deer hunt in one of the, the best genetic regions on the planet. He's like, he says it's a 170. I'm like, okay, boom, shoot it, kill it. Get over there, dude. I'm like... Talk about ground shrinkage. The damn thing was like a 130-inch deer. <laughs> it's a non-shooter whitetail, man. Dude, I, I, told the, I, I told my buddy, I was like, this is not, this is not okay. So they sorted it out, and they were like, all right, you can shoot it. I ended up shooting like a 178. That's uh, awesome. Which, the way I wanted to, spot and stalk, shot him in his bed at 60 yards, you know, after a 30-minute crawl. That was awesome. But, but I was just like, so I, here's the thing. You've been on Outfitted Hunts. When the guide says shoot it, you don't you, you you don't really question because you're paying for them and their expertise. They know the deer, they know the area. I, you just you're not supposed to argue with them. There's been a couple. I have a saying like the moment that that doubt creeps into my head and I think I know more than the guide, mm-hmm. that's we're in trouble. Yeah, because like I know a ton about hunting and I've, I've hunted on four continents and like twenty something states, but I don't know where I'm hunting. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like you're supposed to be the subject matter expert Mm -hmm. on this piece of property. Right. You're supposed to, that's why I'm paying you all this money because I don't have time to come scout and spend weeks pre, you know, in the summer and all that stuff. And there's been a couple of times. And they have the access. They have the access. And it's their their property. And there's been a couple of times I was in New Mexico and this place was huge, dude. It was 31 sections, which is Mm. 31 square miles. Yeah. And the guy, the son of the owner reached out to me and was like, Hey, we had a guy cancel, you know, do you want to take his spot? And I was like, what's the cost? He's like 5,500 bucks. I was like, absolutely. So I got out there and, um, the, they had an outfitter running all their hunts on this family ranch that they've, it's 120 miles outside of, uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. It's, mm-hmm. it's a huge, huge piece of property. And, um, and they, we're like, yeah, you know, we, we're going to do it ourselves. We grew up on this property. And I was like, you know, here, listening to the story, I'm like, all right, so, yeah, it's just elk. It's not hard. You know, it's tail end of the rut. We're going to be good. Yeah. And uh, I remember, like, day one, I was kind of like, ah, you know, maybe he had a bad day. And then when I knew that I was in a little bit of trouble was day two, the, the owner, the father, 
we were walking to an area to glass and he stepped on a rattlesnake and didn't know it. Didn't see it, didn't hear it. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's like, dude, you just stepped on that rattlesnake. He looked back, he goes, I didn't even see that. And I was like, apparently not. <laughs> That's when I was like, oh man. Um, and I was like, come back over here. You know, I'm going to put my rifle stock on the rattlesnake's head. And I was like, hold this rifle. Don't let it move. And then I cut the snake's head off and, you know, and then that afternoon, like, so when you're hunting, like you're hunting point A yeah, and it doesn't work out for you. So you want to go to point B to hunt another spot. Well, you hunt from A to B, you hunt in a transition. You don't just bushwhack. Right. And dude, we busted so many elk moving. Like it, it was insane. Like it, it was, dude, it was nuts. And like I've I've killed eight elk, and I by no means I'm not even I'm a subject matter enthusiast. Yeah, I am by no means an expert on elk hunting. I, I my knowledge on elk hunting is very limited. Yeah, I um, I had killed two mule deer before that trip, so I don't you know. Yeah, but like you know, but I, I understand wind. I understand yeah. being quiet, being still, and like moving in a stealthy, sneaky manner. Because you know. Bust, the basics of hunting are the same across all species for mm-hmm. the most part, especially in North America. Um, and finally, I was just like, sir, you tell me where we're going and like, I'll, I'll lead us there. You know, he's like, all right, that sounds good. And um, how old is this dude? 60s, early 70s. Huh. Fit. One of those Western old fit guys, you know. Yeah. But, Mountain um, goat. Yeah, and maybe uh, a former, like a former mountain goat. It was a garbage. Op- like it was, was a garbage operation. I'm, uh, I'm not going to say the name of it. And if the sun's listening, I don't care if you hear me say this. But um, just I'm grateful. It was cool. I shot an elk out there, bull, nice bull, busted up six by seven, like just broke everything off, fighting like a madman. Worst elk meat I've ever had in my life. Like, dude, it, it was nasty, nasty bad. Uh, um, but uh. Yeah, same exact situation with, you know, old guide. It's like, uh, you're the boss. I'm not telling you what to do. Yeah. But, comma, but, like, maybe we should try this. Right. And um, the elk that I actually ended up shooting was because I kind of, I don't want to say I took charge, but I was like, hey, I'm going to, you stay here. I'm going to do this and blah, 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 blah. And then it worked out for me. Mm. Horrible shooting. I had to shoot that elk like six times to kill him. Yeah, we all have those days. Yeah, this uh, one was terrible. Like, dude, like, he... Mine was with a Vol Reed buck in Africa. Oh, that thing's the size of a cow's cat. I know, but I shot him at like 700 yards, and the first shot hit the boulder in front of him and skipped up and basically shot him in the balls. No. So he was hurt real bad. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> but then I'm just shooting it. Just, like, first of all, that's out of my... And, and there's... We can talk about the ethics of that all day, but... I had a great rest. We had the right wind call and I just, you know, made a bad shot. So, but, but then now that one bad shot now leads to a series of, you know, Hail Marys and, you know, it was just, but we all have those that stick in our mind. It's like, I really wish I wouldn't have done that. And so the, the point is live and learn. Don't, don't put yourself in that position again. Know your skill set and stick to what you think you're, what you know you can do. And talk to your guide before you go out. Oh yeah. Like establish like parameters and guidelines and all that stuff, you yeah. know, cause it's, it's key. Like my thing when I hunt with outfitters and I, I hunt with outfitters 
If you're going to hunt all over the world, you have to. They're, most they're most of my hunts, right. I'm 40, for those listening, I'm 47 years old. I've worked my ass off, excuse my French, I've worked my butt off for the past 23 years. And like, I can afford to hire outfitters. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't seek out discomfort. I don't need to rough it to prove anything. The first four elk I ever killed were, by, uh, were a public land elk mm-hmm. with a bow. I've, I've done the hard stuff. Paid your dues. Yeah, I've done the hard stuff. So my first elk uh, in Utah, solo with my bow, public land, East Canyon. Um, like I, I've been there, done that. I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my, I have conversations with outfitters before, like when we get there and we're shooting the breeze and I'm like, Hey man, like here's kind of my like hunting resume. Um, I'm really good with a shotgun. I'm f- capable with a rifle. I don't particularly like shooting out past 300 yards mm-hmm. just cause I like to see what I'm shooting like with my own eyes. Yeah. If I can't see it with glass, without glass, like, you know, I, I, I don't, Take super long shots. Asterix, we'll talk about last summer's Africa trip <laughs> in a second, but I, I just lay it out there for him. Yeah. And I'm like, listen, man, like, you're the boss. I don't have anything to prove. I'm not some dork investment bank and banker. I'm not some dork investment banker from New York City that's out here trying to prove something. You're in charge. You tell me what to, I'm going to do what you say. Mm-hmm. Literally, you say shoot, I'm going to shoot. You tell me not to shoot, I'm not going to shoot. Um, there's a switch I can turn it on. I can turn it off. Like, you know, and, uh, they, it helps that they appreciate that. Whereas a lot of guys, like they try to prove themselves to like guides and stuff. And like that, that never works out well. Like Dude, generally I'm just trying to keep up with a guide. <laughs> like, I'm just like, because that's they're like, I just did this bear hunt in on Vancouver Island and it's no different than a lot of the times I've been with a guide. I'm physically, I'm not in bad shape, but I'm like, that that guy's a mountain goat, and now I'm trying to keep up. That's the only thing I'm trying to prove is tr- that I can hack it with this guy. There's been one, two times in my life where I could actually keep up with or exceed the guy. That was in New Mexico, mm-hmm. and then last year at Deseret, uh, Jericho Denman uh, wounded a bull that we were looking for. We spent six, seven, eight hours walking. We went rim to rim. Yeah, this is a Deseret Ranch in Utah, and uh, we went rim to rim twice in one day. And I live in Florida. It's flat. I'm in really good shape, but I'm not a mountain goat because mm-hmm. I live on flatlands. I don't train on hills. I don't have yeah. mountains to hike up and all that stuff. But I'd been in Utah at that point for about seven days. So I had some acclimation mm-hmm. to the altitude. And I remember twice, like, the, the, the guide stopped. And I was like, so, why are we stopping? And I looked at my friend Jericho, and like I'm 5'10, 235. Jericho's like 5'6, five, 5'7, five, like 200 pounds. Like we're not small guys. Yeah. He was a ranger for 20 years. Um, he's rucked a lot. And I, was, I remember walking up to him and going, Hey, man, why are we stopping? I'm not tired. I'm not like I'm breathing through my nose. I'm not even sweating. Like he's like, ah, Dude, I have no idea, man. Like I think we're walking these guys' legs off. And I was like, That's a first. Yeah. I feel elite now, but. Um, yeah, but back to the pH, like God and pH stuff. Like you know, I don't ever try to impress them or, mm-hmm. you know, give them like some big like oh, I've I've accomplished all these great things because no matter what you do or have done, like you're not going to impress them, right? And they're going to probably dislike you if you're a braggart. So I just let them know they're in charge and all that stuff. And then um, you know, with long distance shooting and stuff, it's like, hey man, like oh, there's I'm, people that are good at it, but they practice. Yeah, I'm by no means like I was like you know you're the you let me know my wind, you know, hold, you know, mm-hmm. right, left. I'm going to listen to you. Um, well, last summer in Africa, Melissa went with me and like, my guide was a bow hunter. 
Dave. And like he didn't know anything about rifle hunting. And it was super windy. And, and where um, in Africa were you? East Cape. We were at uh, Crusader Safaris. Yeah, dude, it was, we had a blast over there. I got a mountain reed, really nice mountain reed buck. Red Heart of Beast, uh, awesome Leshway. I shot. Leshway, that's one I still need to get. Super cool. Yeah. Heart shot, 210. Boom. We were, we you know were the filming. hop. You know the hop that when you hit him in the heart? Yeah. So, what, one of the drawbacks of filming, and we film all of our hunts for the John X Safari YouTube and for advertising through mm. obviously the show and stuff. And um, we had uh, the home base is 30,000 mm-hmm. acres. We were in a, we drove out and we're hunting a 5,000 acre place. But you could see the high fence in the, in the shot. And Carl's like, nope. Can't shoot it. I'm like, he's broadside at 40 yards. He's like, mm-mm, not, not doing that. Learn to edit. <laughs> we'll edit that out. <laughs> Afterwards, he was like, I should just let you shoot it because we never got one. But. The the Crusader is 450,000 acres, mm. and um, it's low fence cattle. Mm-hmm. There's a section at the top of the mountain that, that's, that's a higher fence, and that's to keep the cattle and all that stuff yeah. out. Um but everything else, there's no fence to low fence. And then the cowie is, that's just livestock. There's no, but there's no fence over there. But, um, so we hunted Bobbian's Conservancy in the cowie, which was like, the, it has like the oldest, like we had, we stopped for lunch at the oldest cricket pitch huh. in all of Africa. It's like a hundred and something years old, hmm. still active. And you're just kind of like, this is actually pretty cool yeah and they had an old grist mill right there you know mm-hmm. it was it was just africa is my favorite thing in the world and um it was interesting because like melissa she went with me and like, i think it was day one she was like i now understand why this is your favorite place on the planet yeah she dude and so how many times have you been a dozen a do- oh, uh, i've been a lot over there yeah. yeah i just finished my sixth sixth trip it's the best yeah and every second of every day everything we did she was down for it there wasn't a moment or a day or an afternoon or a morning where she wasn't rearing to go. She shot a springbuck, a warthog, and a black wildebeest. Nice. And then I shot... Um, An eland. Mountain reedbuck. That's... Oh, man. <laughs> I shot a budget. I was like, I'm not spending more than X. Uh-huh. So I shot a mountain reedbuck, a leshway. Um, okay. I'm doing... The, I'm just adding the dollars in my head so I know what all these things cost. A kudu... Right. Eland, Warthog, Springbuck, Springbuck, Black Wildebeest. The budget's going up. <laughs> Red Heart of Beast. Um, but so I, budget was a loose term there. <laughs> yeah, but no, but what, there's a, I think it was like twelve or thirteen animals uh-huh. total. But um, the we didn't see any shooter kudu the whole trip. Yeah. And on the last day, I was like, you know what, man? Like we've been seeing that Whopper, Leshway, like Ram, like let's go. Let's go over there and get that sucker. And so the Leshway, I think, was 28, 2900. Mm-hmm. Kudu, Eastern Cape Kudu, $1,750. So I was like, that's fine. Now it's an extra grand. That's fine. You know, budgets are meant to be broken. So shoot the Leshway, super cool high five and all that stuff. And uh, I have literally one bullet left. And guns in the, you know, unloaded. We're driving back to camp. You know, Melissa's like, oh my God, this is so much fun. Thank you so much for bringing me. I love this. I'm ready to come back. I don't want to leave. Dude, and we turn, take a turn on, take, turn around a bend in the road. And dude, on the side of this hill is a whopper, whopper, uh, 
probably 46 inch Eastern Cape Kudu, which is, that's a big Eastern oh, yeah. Cape Kudu. Yeah. And I was like, that's a shooter. And Dave goes, he sure is. <laughs> and I was like, I got one bullet. He goes, make it count. I was like, oh my God. And got out, shot, heart shot him. Boom. He did the jump. He goes, all right, you got him. Let's go. And he fell down the hill and landed at the base of this creek bed in the perfect photo position. Mm. All you, all we had to do was just turn his head. Dude, it was, it was awesome. So mm. budget got busted pretty good there, but um, <laughs> yeah, it was an awesome trip, man. Like I, I had an absolute blast. I can't, I'm going to go, I'll go back before the end of the year. I, I just found out that I've got like several thousand dollars worth of uh, Delta E credits mm. that expire at the end of the year. And it's like, ah. so Melissa and I will probably go back just for like a quick week trip mm-hmm. over there just to go. I might just go shoot at Cape Buffalo because they're super cheap right now. But uh, Well, it's all relative. I mean, most people are never just going to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to Africa because uh, Cape Buffalo hunts are super cheap right now. Uh, but, yes, more affordable than previously? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that segment of the show was brought to you by Vortex Optics and the Sun Slayer Hoodie. Whether you're headed to the lake to go fishing, uh, the deer lease to fill feeders, or the gun range to sight in that rifle for the upcoming season, the Sun Slayer is going to keep those hot UV rays off your skin. It's going to keep you cool and light and airy. And you can save 20% off the Sun Slayer, as well as all of Vortex's apparel with that promo code LONESTAR20 when you check out at vortexoptics.com. We'll be right back with more from Baker Levitt on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, a full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Looking for a thermal hog hunt near DFW? Then Three Curl Outfitters has you covered. Offering fully guided thermal hunts just minutes south of Dallas, guide scout daily to put you on the bacon. Using thermal imaging technology to hunt feeders, crop fields, and river bottoms, you get unlimited hogs and no kill fees. Visit www.3curl.com. Also offering corporate hunts and food and lodging available by request. Book at 3curl.com or call 214-455-0940. In the market for a compact track loader, check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at one of our nine North Texas locations. Visit BobcatOfNorthTexas.com or call 469-586-0000 today. Just remember, I'm on your side. I'm on your side. 
Campbell Smith welcoming everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg. That's Nathaniel Radcliffe and the Night Sweats. I'm on your side. Great tune there. Uh, thanks for being here as we are still visiting with Baker Levitt, who is here in studio. And we'll get back into that discussion. This segment is brought to you by the Armasite 640 contractor. I just put one on my uh, AR-10 and 308, and it is a pig slaying machine. Uh, awesome optic, uh, user-friendly interface, and diverse color palette, among a litany of other features that you're going to love. Check it out. It's the 640 contractor at Armasite.com. All right, Baker, well, we, we left off. You said something kind of funny, I think, to the average person, the average hunter for sure, in that, you know, Cape Buffalo are pretty cheap right now. Yeah, cheap. Maybe they're down from 15K to 12K. So it's all relative. But you tell people about Africa and, and how expensive it is, and it, it really isn't that expensive if you don't want to shoot a Cape Buffalo or, you know, some of the big five. But for a Plains game hunt, I mean, you're talking about some species as, as cheap as $400, 500 bucks, uh, and then even like a kudu is not even two grand. Whereas if you wanted to shoot a kudu in Texas, you're going to pay $15,000, which is what I tell people to budget for an, a kick-ass safari in South Africa, flights included. I've invited so many of my friends from Texas that are, like Matt Best is a great example, mm -hmm. co-founder of Black Rifle. You want to go to Africa? He's like, why would I travel that far when I can literally go to Champion Ranch mm. and shoot two of these that are bigger than anything you're seeing? I'm like, but Matt, it's Africa, dude. Yeah. So, um, yeah, see, that's Texas. That You're only going to have... So that. did he go? No. Oh. I'll, I'll be at Matt's. I'll see Matt tomorrow. Uh -huh. And I'll kind of start peppering him. Matt wants to go. We are going to, I know we will do within the next 12 months. We will go with uh, the Field Ethos Outriders. Yeah. Um, so we invested in Field Ethos about a year and a half ago. Um, and they have a thing Tony Caggiano created called, called the Field Ethos Outrider Program, which is different lodges around the world. Mm. And Matt loves shooting doves. So we'll, we'll go to uh, Argentina, do a bird hunt. Mm. So getting him to Africa will probably be kind of tough. I'm going to Argentina. I'm going to open this. Oh, yeah. We're going to have a kill cliff. Yeah. But we'll talk about kill cliff in a minute. I'm going to uh, Argentina for red stag next spring. Not for birds. People are like, you got to go down. Dude, shooting a thousand dove in a day? Thousand. Okay, five thousand. A thousand in an hour, It man. doesn't appeal to me. I just, I don't, I don't need to shoot that many dove. And I love dove hunting. But, you know, we shoot 15 in Texas. God, me, that's so like, good. It's so good. That's like it's uh, so good. Let's see here. This is your first sip, right? First sip. And this so this is, is the, the first sip of the Kill Cliff, the Joe Rogan Cam Haynes collab that we did. I don't think Cam Haynes likes me, but that's all right. Because I bashed Under Armour whenever they sent him a message on Instagram trying to get him on my show. This is a long time ago. How many? This is eight or nine years ago. How many messages do you think he gets sent to his Instagram? Cam was big. How many? How many messages do you think he gets a day? Before he was big. He blocked me. So I wasn't a huge campaign hands until I met him. I'm serious, dude. I was like, how petty is this guy? That was my initial like deal. Well, no, I'm not now. The drink is good, but if, I'm just telling you, I don't think like, I don't think you want to get him on I your show. I think he does know me, and I think he blocked You want to get him on your show? Yeah, we could talk it out. Yeah. So fun. I will Rihanna, who's one of his bookers, uh, I'm having dinner with them tonight in in Bernie. I will set that up. Sure. Let's do it. Yeah, so I like I like the whole Cam Haynes thing. Like the whole, I think he was more pissed about because I burned my Under Armour crap whenever they 
they ended up dropping the biggest douche in the world and Bomar, but uh, God but, uh, mighty. But at the time, I was like, well, screw Under Armour. The guy legally speared a bear. Yeah, it's not my cup of tea, but he did a, he did a legal hunt, and they dropped him for it. So I burned it, and then I think Cam saw that and didn't like it. and Because he, so he was with Under Armour at the time. Josh Bomar, I am super conflicted about that guy. What a goober, dude. He's hold a on. total douche. Let me, mean, how is there any confliction? Let, the guy's a moron. So, so hold on. I'm going to burn my truck down for some views. There's two people involved in that Bomar thing. You got Sarah Bomar mm. and you got Josh Bomar. And my personal opinion is, this is my opinion, no one else's. I think Sarah Bomar might be one of the meanest, most spiteful, hateful, vindictive people that I've ever seen on social media. Okay. Yeah. As I understand it, her she has she has hair extensions. She uses fake tan. Her not eyelashes an are fake. Lady. Her teeth are fake. She's had implants done, which is fine. Melissa has those; they're great. Um, How did see I'm, everything my about wife her? Get them when I'm everything right. about her is is fake. Mm-hmm. Everything. Josh Bomar. So people I've hunted with have hunted with him, guided him. And they basically described him as this big six foot five, lovable kind of idiot, <laughs> which that's what, that's the vibe I get from him with a big side of douche mixed in for, for sure. And I could see how that would be interpreted that way. She's a mean spirited witch. Uh-huh. Okay. And he's like this big athletic he was he was a decathlete in college. He is a big, huge. Yeah, that's why I had goofy. no problem with him spearing the bear because yeah. he threw a javelin in college. Well, the javelins and and spears are whatever. They're totally different. But <laughs> but I will give him this. I'm going to say this. I think that she is a phenomenal business person. Mm. I really do. Um, and she has taken every single. So this is me complimenting her. I don't like her. I've never even met her, but I don't like her. Mm-hmm. Everything that that has happened to them, positive or negative, she has found a way to capitalize on it. And that's a skill. So their supplement company, which is just, as I understand it, they order it in bulk and then repackage it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they got sued for it, dude. They well, they've, they've made a ton of money. I mean, they have made a... a yeah, but they a, got sued because of the amount of protein they were saying was in it wasn't actually in it. In their defense, I have a little experience in the supplement space. That might pretend, that probably isn't their fault. Yeah. So there's really like three clearinghouses that like you can buy whey protein from. Mm-hmm. Whether you're Jocko or the Bomars or whatever. They're all buying it from the same place. Same with fish oil and stuff like that. Um, and that's the dirtiest, most crooked industry. One of the dirtiest, most crooked industries in the country. So you maybe think you're getting X, Y, and Z. And the people that are selling you that... Or like, yeah, dude, this is X, Y, and Z. But you don't know what's happening in the in those mixing facilities and all that stuff. This is good, by the way. It, it's delicious. I, you know, um, Cam's name is on there, but it's, it's let still me, good. Back to the Bomars. <laughs> back to the Bomars. So from a business perspective, she's kind of brilliant and kind of flawless. because She's, she's like, I married this big oof, and I'm going to make him famous, and we're going to make a bunch of money because he has like huge traps. He's God, he's huge. He is. He is a big dude. Yeah. He's jacked. I'll give him that. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be... But he wears a t-shirt smaller than the one you and I are wearing. And he cuts the sides. I wouldn't be scared to mix it up with him. Like, not even... Not... I wouldn't hesitate. But, like, he's a big dude. Like, he's a big boy. And he's... I think he's a good shot with a bow. I think he's a pretty good hunter. 
yeah. by the way I evaluate someone. I think he's a fantastic he hunter. He speared a bear. That was impressive. Bears are stupid. I, but can you throw a spirit one? Like, have you practiced? I, you got to give the guy credit. He speared it. I mean, that's He's Tim Wells over, stuff. Wasn't it over bait? Like in... So what? He was on the ground. Yeah, that's not hard. <laughs> have you done it? No, I've never tried. <laughs> well, neither Could, have I, but I was like, oh, that's that's a pretty cool like, Could primitive I? skill set. Could know? I? Absolutely. Um, but I've she, thrown a spear. I have a spear. I've thrown she, a bunch. But she, she turned that into a positive. Not a So animal, no matter what happens to them... She has the ability to find the silver lining in it and turn it into a positive for their business and their family. Do you family. think that he went out and said, hey, uh, wifey person, I'm going to go burn up my F-150 today for some views, for some clicks? So I've never met him. Yeah. I don't know him. I've never had a conversation with him. he's just that dumb that he does a controlled burn and the flame just engulfs his pickup. And he's like, oh, let's, turn, let's put this on Instagram to show everyone how stupid I really am. Well, I mean... the. I was entertained, man. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm glad he did it. Because he made my life better. Because he, he tried to blow out a, a vehicle fire with a, uh, with a blower. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm really dumb, but uh, hey, watch this. I'm even dumber. Watch yeah, this. I thought it was hilarious. Did you see the one where he was... This is the most ridiculous. He's, it's starting to rain really hard wherever they live in the Midwest, somewhere. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go scout because of the scent. Yeah, I was like, this is the dumbest piece of horrible hunting advice you could ever give someone. I have a feeling that Sarah, when he does things like that, she just goes, that's my baby. That's my baby. <laughs> um, so that that whole thing like leads me into a whole different realm of social media stupidity. And this goes for... I like to have fun. I like to I like to put it out there that my wife and I have sex a lot, you know, like, and I think it's funny and she, and it, and half of it is for me because it annoys her, but she puts up with it. Everything I do on social media is to entertain myself. Yeah. I don't do it for other people. I don't care about likes or vanity metrics. That means nothing to me. Everything I do on social media and put out there is for my personal entertainment. Mm. Um, or I like to share stuff that like I think is cool or funny. Funny. Um, yeah. I like to use my kids and my wife and create some humor. Yeah, like, like our daily me, life. Like you've seen me post photos of Melissa asleep. Oh, yeah. Like I love it. It's great. Yeah. Um, but like the thing with social media is like so when social media started a lot remember back in the day, dude, there was like a couple YouTube gun channels. So there's mm. a few YouTube channels. And then um, because it was kind of hard and you needed some technical expertise or you had to teach yourself how to build and edit and record YouTube videos and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then they simplified the process. They slowed the game down and anybody could do it. Now, everyone thinks they're a content creator. Everyone wants to be internet famous. But no one's really putting out quality content. Like Sean Ryan, the Sean Ryan Show, Mm -hmm. phenomenal podcast, amazing podcast, really good content. Um, I can't really think of anybody or anything else out there right now that's putting out anything worth a crap. There's nothing that I look forward to. There's really no accounts that I look forward to because everyone, we are literally inundated and overrun with garbage content. Like it's, it's called, I call it chasing the dragon. So like a drug addict wakes up in the morning and they get high and the rest of the day they're chasing that high. And you can look at these female influencers on Instagram the, let's, the let's, nookie girls, that's what I call yeah, them. Yeah, the bow hey, bunnies. Look at my jugs. Yeah, so like, imagine a girl, she likes to fish, and she's mm. pretty good at it. And her boyfriend or husband or dad or whatever, she fishes with them, hunts with them. Um, 
and then it's hot one day. And she posts photos like, oh, it's a huge bass or a huge you know, wahoo or whatever you're catching. And then as it progresses, it's hot one day she's fishing and she's wearing a bikini top because it's hot. And she gets way more likes on that post. Of course she does. She's on a bikini top. And at that moment, more and more skin, it's the evolution of skin exposure for her. Eventually, at some point, she's going to be wearing a, a Brazilian cut bikini and she's only going to be in a bikini because the amount of likes that happen when there's more skin versus the amount of likes when she's covered up. Mm-hmm. That's just you pick out, pick someone. Yeah. And watch them, just watch that evolution. So I lost my first cooler sponsor I ever had. Actually, I've only ever had one cooler Who? sponsor. Who? Uh, Brute. Why did you lose them? they turned into bison. Well, they spent all their money with Nookie Girls. And I have no no problem with them. Like, I, I told them, I, you know, I hope it works out for you. But, like, the money they were spending with me and on this show, it, it dried up because they were like, we invested in, you know, female. Basically, the girls that you just described, they threw all their money at that. And I'm like, that's fine. But are the dudes out there, you and I, Baker and Cable, that, absolutely that, not. That I will not buy anything. Hunt and fish. It's it's more than a hobby. It's our passion in life. Yeah. We're looking for the best gear. We want. I want someone who knows what they're doing to take on it, not some girl in a thong. Like so, I'm not. I told them. I said I'm personally not. And and I hope that for your sake that you're wrong, or that that I'm wrong. But the people that listen to my show, they're not. They're listening for the guests that I have on. And yes, Kate, you know, I'm not an expert on a lot of things, but I have been in doing it a long time and I have a little bit of knowledge. They're looking for someone's real opinion, not a piece of skin saying, buy this. So I can, and you, you do this for a living. Do I those things ass- work out for you? No. So I can assure you of one thing. When there is a female that society would describe as attractive uh-huh. that pushes like exercise supplements and stuff, there's one guarantee in life. I will never use or buy what they say, what they're pushing, yeah. ever. Because those girls that post the photo of them, like they're half their, they poke their one butt cheek out <laughs> and they take a picture in the bathroom locker room, I mean, in the gym locker room. Mm. I forgot yesterday more about exercise physiology than they will know in their entire lifetime. Um, and just, and when you put on like the tight spandex that kind of gives your butt some form to it. There's 10,000 people every hour making that same post. Like, right. wow. We had a girl. I'm not going to name names or what company this was. We had a girl. Her handle was something, something outdoors. And every single poster she made was that butt pose. And it, Oh, like, Sophie oh. Sweeney. No, 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 God, no, no. <laughs> Sophie Sweeney, it's only a matter of time before that's, she's dancing at a, at a, that's at her a pose, strip though. club. No, dude, she does. No, she's there. It's only a matter of time before she's just a full on stripper. <laughs> We're like, just throwing it all out there today. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm, I've never met her. I don't, I don't. But I will say this like, I don't follow her. I know who she is, obviously. Um, she lost one of her Instagram accounts that had like half a million followers. That's unfortunate and that's BS. Yeah. But she. I have a little respect for the way she goes about her job or business because she doesn't try and hide it. Mm-hmm. She's like, these are my new fake boobs. Yep. This is me in a bikini looking, you know, trying to look all sexy. She, she does not try to hide the fact that she's sexualizing her image to get guys to go click on her OnlyFans account or exclusive content or whatever. Dude, this OnlyFans phenomenon is just, that stuff is. I can explain that. I Good for the out. girls that are making money. Uh, Knessa Johnson, she's like a girl that's done a lot of rhino conservation. I was looking at this rhino post, and then her very next post is, 
go check out my OnlyFans, which is just her completely naked. I didn't go, but I I know what OnlyFans is. And dude, I'm telling you right now, there is. It's bad for men, and it's bad for dating, and it's bad for having a fulfilling relationship. This porn epidemic that has swept modern society in first world countries. It's gross. Completely it's- agree. So, if Melissa were to start an OnlyFans account, Melissa would make tens of thousands of dollars a month. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is my wife I'm talking about. She's beautiful, six-pack, huge chest, gorgeous girl. Business owner, owns a CrossFit gym, kills it. She's great. I would do anything on this planet before I would allow that to happen. If I lost everything I had... Mm-hmm. I would drive Uber. I'd do Uber. I would do whatever needed to be done to make ends meet before I allowed that. Um, there's long-term ramifications to those things. Like short-term gain, mm-hmm. you're, you're selling, you're sexualizing yourself for, for monetary gain. And like the big bucks, I get it. But psychologically, that's, there, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a damaging trend there because... If your calling card in life is vanity, it's your looks, I hate to break it this to everyone listening, you are a depreciating asset. Mm-hmm. Men, this is my opinion, men, some of us get better with age. Women, the things that the guys that are throwing the money at the OnlyFans accounts and stuff, they want to see young, hard-bodied girls unless you have one of those weird fetishes. Um, and as women get older and they have kids and all that stuff, like in my opinion, like the guys, this is the people on OnlyFans, they want to see the younger girls mm-hmm. doing the risque stuff. And it's just like, what are your kids going to think? Like, how is that going to affect your kids when they go to school? Like, it's, oh, some of them have kids. I'm no, like, no, no, do you have any self-respect? How is your kid? That's, that, mean, that's my point. It's like, you don't think that Bobby's friends, let's say Bobby's third, middle schoolers are the meanest sons of bitches on this planet. Yeah. And if you don't think that Bobby's friends. My dad friend, beats off to your mom. Yeah, exactly. If you don't think Bobby's friends are going to make fun of him and, and rib him at school because and show pictures of you, you you've lost your mind. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's just no way that that can lead, in my opinion, to a healthy home life relationship. Mm-hmm. Like it, there, there's, I think there's long-term negative effects there. I'm not a prude. I'm not saying that I don't like hot females and I don't, I'm not saying that I don't like looking at hot girls. I have a saying and especially true in Texas. We like big bucks, big bass, big boobs, you know, and that's just natural. That's that. And that's for men in general. We like those things. Yeah. Bigger the better. But it, 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 but there's, there's just, there's something, dude, it's like, there's just like, there's something really sinister under the surface behind all of that. And and I understand why guys do the OnlyFans. I can, here's why, how the OnlyFans thing works. Okay. Um, you, whatever you see on OnlyFans, you can go on Twitter and look up a hashtag, whatever it is that you are into, whatever you're into. Younger, younger, like early 20 girls, older women, MILF, short hair, whatever you're into, look up the hashtag on Twitter. It's there. And it's there, a bunch of it. Mm. The reason that people spend money on OnlyFans is because I think the majority of people on OnlyFans are not 
like adult film stores. Mm -hmm. They're normal people that found a way to make money off of their appearance. And they're the, the guys that are paying for OnlyFans feel that there's a connection there. Like she really likes me. Or or <laughs> they 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 know more about that person because they've been following them on Instagram for a while, or they can go through their Instagram profile or whatever and look at their history. They can go back five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years and they can see and learn about the person. So there's a connection there. They know more about it's a real person, it's not a porn star. Yeah. And that's why, in my opinion, the OnlyFans thing works because mm -hmm. People feel that there's a deeper connection with an OnlyFans chick than just some porn star. Well, maybe that's why people follow someone on social media. Like, maybe that's why I have a good number of followers on Instagram. Like, from a personal standpoint. Right. Like, and I do, I do think that people like seeing, like, some of my best performing posts are ones of my kids and me in the outdoors. Like, because, but that's wholesome content. Like, it's not... Well, but people, it's the opposite of what's, what's going on there. Yeah, so it's the... Um, we're we're getting out of the we're no longer in the show me economy. We're now in like what can you do for me economy? Like why am I following you? Mm. Why am I paying attention to what you have to say? Why am I opening your email? Why am I clicking on your YouTube video? Why am I watching? Why am I listening to your podcast? There's got to be a value proposition for the consumer. There has mm -hmm. to be something in it for them. You have to you have to provide value to the consumer to keep their attention and a lot of people don't realize that. So like what people should be doing now, if they're content creators or they have a business, we're in a recession, regardless of what that idiot spokesman for the white house says. Mm. Um, and what you should be doing now is doubling down on your existing customer base, follower base, whatever, and providing them with what they want. Cause they're going to be, that's the most honest feedback loop you have in the world mm -hmm. is cause they don't lie. Cause they vote with their wallets. And so people, as opposed to trying to come up with something completely and totally insane, like Josh Momar, whether he did or did it on purpose, the way they handled the truck burning situation, like that's pushing the limit right there, you know? Yeah. Um, and people just, every day, it's just another 7,000 people think they're content creators and they've got something great to say, say, but most everyone's just copying what people were doing five years ago. And I those, got lucky. those fuses are burning out. I got lucky getting in the podcasting game on the ground floor because, you know, this was originally just a radio show. Mm -hmm. and I had it on one station here in North Texas, and then it, you know, I'd add a station and add a station, and then, and then I'm throwing it on. Back at the time, I just put that show on iTunes, and then I don't even think the word podcast was really in existence. This is almost it's 14 years ago. Nobody knew what a podcast was. You mm -mm. just put a radio show on iTunes and you could listen to it as you wanted. Now, dude, I think as many people, we still have 20-something radio stations that carry the show, but especially younger people are just consuming it in podcast form and probably more people listen to the podcast than they even do on the radio now. Yeah, so the attention span of the consumer is much shorter than it used to be. Mm. So the thing, here's the beauty of podcasts. You have... Tell me where in the business world, where in the marketing world, you have another opportunity to capture a person's attention for one hour. Mm -hmm. It doesn't exist. Yeah. Unless you're making like a movie. We're going to go over an hour today and that's yeah. fine. If, if, unless you're making a movie or something but like YouTube videos and Instagram posts and TikTok videos, all that stuff. If you look at that, it keeps getting shorter and shorter and shorter. I'm guilty. I go to YouTube the other day. I was trying to figure out how to put, uh, trying to do something with my AR. I don't remember what it was. But I had to go like something that was out of my mm -hmm. area of expertise. So I went to 
YouTube, found the video, and I didn't even have the bandwidth to wait till it got to the three minute mark for the, I was like, where's the thing that I want to see? And I just fast forward it right to there. I was like, yeah. oh, there it is. Pause it, get my gun. And I mirror exactly what the guy did. And then boom, was out in like five minutes. Why is this taking so long? <laughs> right. I was annoyed. Yeah. I was like, yeah, we don't have, we don't have any patience. We don't, uh -huh. that virtue is, is gone. It's a lost art. But, um, yeah, it's a crazy time out there, man. Like there's just a lot of weird stuff going on. Like the, the film about, um, What's the name of the film that um, Jim Caviezel, Tim Tim Ballard just did, yeah. um, Operation Underground Railroad, um, with about the kids? No, it's not called that. What is it called? No, no, the, the, the it's about Tim Ballard. Tim yeah. Ballard's organization is right. OUR. Oh, okay. I've known Tim since 2015, 2016. Uh -huh. Tim Ballard, and it's the child exploitation uh, film that just released. Yeah, with Jim Caviezel. Oh, that's the actor. John? Is it John? No, Jim. He's What's the guy's name? Thin Red Line. Passion of the Christ. Passion of the Christ. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. Jesus. Oh, Count of Monte Cristo. That's Great a book. Yeah. It's one of my favorite books ever yeah. in high school. I haven't I read the book. That. I'm talking about the movie. Come on. We don't have attention spans for reading books around here. Oh, that's one to read. I'm just kidding. That's I read, one to read. What did I just read? I just read, oh, Cries of the Savannah. There it is. <clears throat> it's a great book. I had that lady on. She's not a hunter. She went with her husband with this like premonition or this predisposed idea that Trophy hunting was bad. Like she gets that they kill an elk. They're from Idaho and that they eat the elk. But she's like, I don't understand why we have to go to Africa and shoot all these beautiful creatures. And then she, this was in Tanzania. So like dark part mm -hmm. of Africa, like not as explored as South Africa. Where right. We've spent time. And she walked away. was like, well, I get it now. And then had never written a book before and then wrote that. And it was really good read. That's the thing about Africa and the, like the, what, People that have never been there have no idea what goes on. There, twenty people, 20, 20 employees in that camp for five hunters, and she's like, "If we didn't go there, those those, think of all the people, their families that you're supporting. Oh yeah, because she got the conservation component, all of it. It came together beautifully. For you her. can fly, into, you can fly into Johannesburg, mm. and drive all the way north, and I'll take someone that's anti-hunting mm. and has never been, and they'll sit in the passenger seat." And I'll hand them a legal pad. And I'm going to say, we're going to drive through 40 different townships on the way to the northern tip of Limpopo. We're going to go all the way to the Botswana border. And I want you to make a list on the right side of that paper that says hunting conservation, uh, conservancy. And on the right side, no hunting conservation, conservancy. And I want you to make a pin mark every time we go through a township where they have hunting attached to it. And then you're going to make a pin mark every time we go through a town that doesn't have it, a hunting a conservation conservancy attached to it. And you tell me, and you're going to get a hundred on this test because it's that obvious hunting communities in Africa or communities in Africa that have hunting conservancies around them are thriving mm -hmm. communities in Africa that don't have that desolate dust yeah. bowls. Oh, yeah. It's quite obvious. Like you, you know, and it's, that's the thing you have all these people that just have opinions and they're just spewing hot air and they don't know they've never been. I've done, I've done more for conservation in Africa than all the anti hunters combined. Oh, they've done sure. nothing. They don't do anything. They don't do anything. They raise money to sue and to, you know, raise hell and create propaganda and create uh, commercials and, and, you know, social media content, but n none of it actually protects or funds the thing that no it is their mission statement it's so crazy it's it, so anti-hunters are the nastiest people 
some of the nastiest people on the planet. They are the nastiest people on social media. So like Don Jr. is a good friend of mine. And you'll see posts where the comments, you just go to Twitter and look at the mm-hmm. comments on one of his posts. It's, it's disgusting. But none of those people want him gone. They don't want him banned. Mm-hmm. They just want to raise hell with him constantly. He's their enemy. And you got to have an enemy to fight. Mm-hmm. Anti-hunters want him dead. They want you banned. They want you deplatformed. They want you in jail. They want you to lose your job. They will attack your family. Well, let me say this. Um, I'm going to say 99.9% of anti-hunters are Democrats. Democrats, there are some Democrat hunters out there. I know plenty. Yeah, but let's just let's call a spade a spade. Anti-hunting legislation is introduced by Democrats. Anti-gun legislation is introduced by Democrats. There is no like gray area there. It's black and white. So when when you say like, oh, I'm a hunter, but I'm a Democrat, you know, I mean, to I me, will, it's like I'll take it a step further. Whatever. So I was a victim of an anti-hunter campaign uh-huh. uh, in 2015. I know Ar- a guy who lost his Instagram. Ariana <laughs> Gordon shot a giraffe uh-huh. in Africa. The black um, one, if I recall, dark, very yeah, dark yeah, one, yeah. beautiful giraffe. Yeah. And she used my rifle and Logan Stark, who I'm actually, when I leave here, I'm driving down to Bernie to have dinner with tonight. Um, Logan filmed it. And that blew up. 12-year-old girl, I mean, it went all over. She was on Pierce Morgan, all that stuff. I wasn't even in the photo. I was on the trip. Mm -hmm. And I lived in Seattle at the time. And my girlfriend at the time worked for a massive tech firm, $10 billion tech company called Concur. And Concur was purchased by SAP for $10 billion. That's how big this company was. Mm. Uh, She was a director there. And I was not in the photo, but I was on that trip, shared a camp with her. I get back, and this thing hits the wire. They, anti-hunters, went and made a fake profile, LinkedIn profile of my girlfriend at the time. And, like, made all these weirdo, incestual bestiality photos and blasted it out to her entire network. Hmm. So you got to think director at a $10 billion company, very professional work environment. They went, how did they even know she was a human being right. alive? Like that's how like diabolical these people are. And so I started doing like really big deep dives into anti hunters and just like, and there was one person there was a couple that if I could have tracked, if I could have found their actual identities and I could have tracked them down, like I, I would have gone to them and it would have been fight on sight. I wouldn't have cared if they were 80 year old woman or a 27 year old <laughs> man or a 10 year old kid. I was going to hurt someone. And I called a bunch of my buddies at the agency. I was like, Hey man, I need you to help me figure out who, what these, where these people are. And here's one of the, there's anti hunters have some, there's some common threads there. A lot of them are from the UK, Portugal, and Spain, mm-hmm. and Brazil. Those are your like four countries that are the most active on social that in Twitter that I that I discovered. They're cat people. A lot right. of them big into cats. Did you see? Did you see any cats around here when you came in? No. <laughs> Here's the creepy part. Here's this is the real creepy part. And when you find these like super anti hunter people that are like Americans. A lot of them try to interact on like a very normal social level with porn stars on Twitter. Huh. It's, it's like Corey Chase. Corey, that 
blue thong you're wearing is absolutely stunning. I just I you think you I'm gonna fa- dye you look, my hair that you color. Look, you, look, you look fantastic today. Yeah. And then the next tweet is like, "I will hunt you down and kill you for killing that deer." Right. And it's like, and then there's a picture of them with like, luckily, not a picture of them, but like they have cats are starting to dye their hair, and it's like they're letting us know before we ever even have any like human interaction with them. You'll see them. Yeah. They'll have masks on still, and they'll have piercings in their face and they'll have green purple or green you know or blue hair and he and pronouns in their resumes oh of course yeah. you know you know what happens to people like that right you don't they get hired very unsatisfied no you don't life. get hired yeah so you have all this stuff like all these these resumes that are coming across desks now and it has like leads with like their pronouns it's like <laughs> i know who we're not hiring today right. like you're going to be a pain in the ass yeah. like you're going to cause problems but, but here these woke companies are looking for their you know they got to meet their DEI. No, they're not. That's a huge misconception, man. That's yeah. a huge misconception. You have components of these companies that are big into the DEI, but like I was talking about Concur, that's that SAP bought Concur for $10 billion. Mm-hmm. SAP is a massive company, massive, massive wealth, and sh- they have to answer to shareholders. At the end of the day, one thing matters and only one thing, and that is the stock price. Nothing else matters. But it, okay, well, so then why have some of these companies not learned from... Okay, we have Bud they, Light, we have Target, and then last week on the 4th of July, we have Ben & Jerry's tweet out that idiotic thing they put out about, don't forget, America, we really should be talking, instead of celebrating the 4th of July, we should remember that this is all stolen land. All those... Guess what? In human history... All land is stolen. It's only yours until somebody takes it from you. We won. Deal right. with it. Seriously. Ben and Jerry's is always they've Ben and Jerry's from the beginning of time have been Fruit Loops. Mm-hmm. Like they've always been that way. That like anyone that's surprised about Ben and Jerry's hasn't been paying attention. Right. Um, and if they're like, yeah, you know what, you're right. We're going to give you back our our corporate campus. Yeah. What, I, dude? I wouldn't be like, oh my God, that makes sense. That's how those people are. Um, these big companies are learning though. And it, so I, I, I said it all comes down to stock price. So Bud Light has shed, over the past, was it six, seven months, Bud Light's down about 16%, which isn't really that big of a deal, especially where we are with the economy right now. The problem, though, is if you look at the stock of like Molson Coors and all these other brands, they're up. Right. So basically Bud Light has shed Customers. market, they, no, they've shed market ownership to, the, to their competitors. Right. And I am telling you right now, I can promise you that all these other companies, these big corporations, they're taking note because at the end of the day, they have to answer to their board. And when, when your stock is down 15, an additional 10 to 15 or percent or whatever, put that into billions, it's like $21 billion last time I saw. That's true. But like board members get rattled when stocks down like 3%. Right. And the CEO has to answer to the board. The board answers to the chairman of the board. The chairman of the board basically is beholden to your stockholders mm-hmm. and your investors, your institutional in, institutional investors like BlackRock and all these companies. They light them up. What in the F are you doing? You stupid SOB, what were you thinking? Like equality and DEI and all that stuff, whatever moniker it is that you're using or talking point you're using right now, that's cool till you start getting into people's wallets. And that's when the cost of poker changes big time. So the Bud Light 
and also keep in mind, like we're a massive country. We're 360 million people. And like these things take time to really like nothing happens overnight. Like we were talking about our tension spans, but you have to let these things kind of play out. And I, everyone listening, like there's a lot of people you've heard, heard people say, Oh, you know, playing checkers, not chess. But a lot of these idiots are playing tic-tac-toe. And what I mean by that is like, we know how the game of tic-tac-toe ends. It's, three moves you're either winning or you're losing and there's no in between on tic-tac-toe like mm-hmm. oh i don't know how this game's gonna end i can tell you by your first move if i'm gonna beat you or not right. you know what i mean yeah chess is a little more complicated i mean checkers is a little more complicated and chess is the ultimate game but like i just tell everyone just to be patient and just watch how these things play out in time because it's happening right now like i promise you next year it's gonna be a little bit different you know i'm really good at tic-tac-toe because, of course, I play against a 10-year-old and two 8-year-olds. Well, you can physically what? cheat if you want. But, like, if you like, like Megan Rapino, who plays on the U.S. Women's National Soccer hate, Team. I'm just going to throw this out there. I despise that lady. I can't stand her, and I can't stand She doesn't love America. She hates America. And she's worth tens of millions of dollars. She would be a nobody if it wasn't for women's sports and women's equality. And she's out there saying, biological men should be able to play in my league. I'm like, then you wouldn't have a league. It would just be another men's league, you dumb do you know what happened when this was in 2000? I think it's, God, I hate her. I think purple, it's two, purple hair. Purple yeah, hair. <laughs> I think it's 2017. The U.S. women's national team played the Dallas Burns U15 no. club yes, team. Yes. Is there a U15 right. team? The FC Dallas, which FC, is the yeah, Dallas Burns. Okay. Mm-hmm. See, I know my stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm old school. Um, so FC Dallas, their U15 development squad beat the women's national team. Was it 7-2? to two? This the, is 15-year-olds. The greatest yeah. under U15. Yeah. The greatest women's, the eventual women's World Cup champs right. got handled by 15 year, 14 year old boys. Mm-hmm. So, like, anyone that says that, like, we deserve equal pay, uh, you do for, for jobs on. that where you produce I, an equal product. I don't know what the USAPL powerlifting records are in the state of Texas for masters. I'm 47. I can tell you this right now I, I don't even know what the, what the numbers are. I can go give you give me three warm up lifts, and I will outlift any woman in this state in my weight class that's not on steroids. Mm-hmm. I'll get three warm up lifts. They can have an hour to warm up. I will I will set the Texas state record for forty five plus masters women right now. Dude, I've been working out religiously for let's say eight years. Mm-hmm. I have never seen a woman at the gym that could bench press more than me ever not one no and i've been going to the gym four days a week for eight years whatever it yeah. is in ohio there was a guy uh some trans so how is that fair to them it's 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 absurd it well here's what it is man it's sleight of hand we're gonna make a big deal out of something over here that makes no sense it mm-hmm. is so outlandish that's what we're talking about which is a distraction from what's really going on and that's I don't know what's really going on. That's the scary part. So that's if any anyone that thinks that like the the Democratic Party like or the progressives like they really want trans people, men competing in women, that's not that's a distraction, man. That's all that is. Let's look at the shiny object. Yeah, while we're doing it, what's over yeah, here. we're making salami over here, but yeah. you don't know what's going in it. Yeah, that's that's the part that worries me is what's really going on. Yeah, because there's no person, there's no elected official. There's no professional athlete. There's no collegiate athlete or, or, or high-level high school athlete that thinks that that's okay. 
Dude, a, a man, a biological man, just won Miss Netherlands this week. <laughs> that, that's no, it will go. It he because it has a wiener. Yeah, will go compete in the Miss Universe pageant as a man. That's the world we live in. Not even tabloids, man. That's, that's the crazy. crazy part. That no, that's sleight of hand, man. That's but, all that but, is. And it also, we, you were talking about that movie with Jim Caviezel. I'm, why am I seeing CNN and all these left wing outlets say, saying, "Well, it's kind of true, but mostly it's just QAnon." Like, I'm, why am I seeing CNN and all these left wing outlets say, saying, "Well, it's kind of true, but mostly it's just QAnon." Like, it's, it's, if it's kind of true, it's kind of a problem. You're talking about pedophiles. It's uh, they said that uh, it's it's a uh, it's rooted in right wing conspiracy theories. But you but in the same breath they say it's. It's kind of true, but uh, but but it's really the right wing extremists. Let's, let's are, say it was produced by QAnon. You know what? Right wing people don't like. Yeah, dudes. What, what we sex with children? Yeah. What we? It, you know the people that uh, the only people that have a problem with um, shining a light on uh, exploitation and, and pedophilia is sex traffickers and pedof- pedophiles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's and then mind blowing. And then yesterday I saw. Um, they were saying that MSN uh, did an op-ed saying that fitness is a is a far right extremist. Oh yeah, dude, I've seen that. Come There's, on, man. Yeah, and I was that. I was talking to um, a couple of friends yesterday. Like I flew here from Florida yesterday, and it's like, you know, like when you're little, or you know, when your kids were really small, and like they're like a really big obese person came into a room, like they just stare at them. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, and I remember growing up, like, really big fat people was, like, it's extremely rare, you know? And now, it's totally normal. Like, to have people that are morbidly obese. Well, you can't obese, body shame, though, now. You can't body shame. You well, can't I don't, like, don't hey, want to. Why don't you take care of yourself? I don't want to body shame anyone, but, like, it's, like, why are there so many, like, just messed up people? body shame. I mean, you can't say, that's unhealthy anymore. Now yeah. we have to say, that's not actually bad for you. What? Yes, it is. It causes yeah. heart disease. You're going to die. You're going to get diabetes. Do you, it's not healthy. You're eating McDonald's every day for every meal. Or maybe donuts in the morning. And then just you're go eating. for a walk. Just, uh, stop but, but, drinking, but you can't say that that's not Stop drinking anymore. your calories. Oh, and like they're, they're complaining about like uh, there's some big walrus, female walrus influencer. Um, is her name Lizzo? No. Um, some other, no, way bigger than Lizzo. <laughs> was saying that like obese people should get extra seats on oh, airplanes. Yeah, dude, I saw that. Yeah, that's fine. Pay for it. Yeah, yeah. Stop being. It's just stop eating. Uh, you know, I don't know. We um, live in a crazy time. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. And it, you know, some people listening are probably like, "Well, what does any of this stuff have to do with hunting?" And it's my job to help those individuals connect the dots because there's only one side of the fence that's pushing all this stuff, and uh, and it's the same folks who are against the Second Amendment and killing animals and eating them. I promise you that. So while uh, it might not directly be related, uh, it's all coming from the same place. And it ain't good. Uh, That segment of the show was brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy, uh, my friends Josh and Becky Gunther. They've been taking care of all of my trophy mounts for a long, long time, over a dozen years now. And they've got locations in Marion and San Antonio, Texas. So for your next wall hanger-worthy animal, uh, head over to gr8mounts.com. We'll be right back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Some say a silenced gunshot is the baddest sound out there. 
At Silencer Central, we have another favorite. It's the sound of silence delivered to your front door. When you buy from Silencer Central, we handle your application, set you up with a free NFA gun trust, and deliver your silencer straight to you. With an average 90-day turnaround time when you use eForms, buying a silencer is simpler than ever. Visit silencercentral.com and we'll help you get started. Time to tell you about Protect Products. Veteran-owned and made in the USA, Protect makes your water work harder for you in the field. They have a hydration electrolyte formula for endurance and replenishment. It's perfect for elk hunting, right? Uh, energy formula for when you need an extra kick. Immunity for optimizing the immune system. And one of my favorites, the rest formula to ensure deep sleep and proper recovery. All the formulas are liquid, so they mix instantly in your water bottle or camelback. And the cool thing is, they don't gunk them up like a powder with that messy residue. They also have an easy-to-use line of mineral sunscreen for quick and odorless application and all-day protection in the field. For more info, head over to Protect.com to see their entire lineup. That's Protect, P-R-O-T-E-K-T.com. Uh, hey, y'all, it's Charlie Robinson, and you're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Well, I got ties to show a backbone made of silver. Cable Smith, welcome everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. We've still got our good friend Baker Levitt here in studio. Uh, before we get back into that conversation, though, this segment is brought to you by Big and Shea Whitetail Attractants and their patented BB Squared formula. It brings the big boys in. I'm uh, speaking of you know from personal experience. I think I'm on my fourth property now where I've used Big and Jay. And the results speak for themselves. Uh, you can find it at uh, BigandJ.com or head over to Walmart. They carry Big and J as well. Uh, okay, with that being said, uh, Baker, you live in Florida, but you're originally from Georgia. Mm-hmm. I was pulling for Herschel Walker to win that uh, Senate seat, obviously. And Georgia, I don't understand what's going on in Georgia, but they screwed that the fir- up. The fact that they ran Herschel Walker, whoever decided that was an idiot. Yeah, Herschel Walker wrote a, a biography years ago and the blueprint to defeat him was that biography hmm. so that no one talked about it but did you, you hear about that uh, I, I knew he had written a biography but I didn't know oh dear god hmm. 19 personalities like if you wanted to defeat Herschel Walker read that book out loud hmm. that's it like so I went to Georgia I'm a diehard Georgia Bulldog like I am a huge that is one that is probably one of my favorite things in the world is yeah. college football I love Herschel because he he got a, such a glut of players in the early '90s. In as a kid, you know, he's the greatest. College cow, my Cowboys player. have sucked ever since. But when we traded Herschel to the Vikings, that's how we built the '90s dynasty was yeah. with those draft picks. Yeah, he, he um Herschel's a, is the majority of college football pundits say he's the greatest college football player ever lived, mm. which is true, um, in my opinion. But he got he lost. Because he was the, they ran the wrong candidate. There's mm-hmm. no way he was winning that. I mean, yeah. like he got on up on stage and like said a bunch of stuff that was just kind of crazy. Like, yeah, I'm an FBI agent. It's like, no, you're not. Like, what's wrong with you, Herschel? <laughs> crazy stuff. I love Herschel. It's no crazier than what Biden says every day. It's. It, 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 <laughs> could you imagine an elevator breaking down with those two in it and recording the conversation? Oh gosh, How great dude. that would be. Jeez. I love Herschel. I love him. I love Herschel Walker. Um, but Herschel, they ran the wrong candidate. They really did. That was the problem there. Um, well, so you're, you're very well connected in the outdoor industry. You seem mm-hmm. to know everybody. Um, 
how does how did that happen? How did you pursue a career in this space? And and what do you do? So I'm I'm a director. Uh, I'm the director of strategic relations for uh, Black Rifle Coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, I own a company called Digital Mongoose that um, that does social media and consulting for brands in the outdoor space. And then we have uh, we just bought Killcliffe back, which is a company. Um, yeah, which we're drinking that. So um, we so how it all started. So I was in real estate um, for a long time and made a killing. I mean, at from the age of 23 to 32, I mean, I, it was criminal how much money I was making in real estate. <laughs> Legally, totally legal. Right. So I was in real estate in the boom. Like, I was there. Yeah. Um, and then between 2008 and 2010, I lost about $15 million. Oh, wow. Everything I had. Uh, I was married at the time. Um, thank God that didn't work out. And Victoria, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Uh, I got so busted, dude. I did a podcast a while ago, and like I was kind of making fun of her because you know whatever. And um, and she called me out of the blue one day. I was like, "Hey, what's up?" She's like, "Yeah, I listened to your podcast." And I thought, "Oh shit, which one?" I was like, "Which one?" She's like, "I don't appreciate what you said about me." I was like, "Sorry, you let yourself go. Not my problem." Um, but um, wait, what do you mean, let yourself go? Yeah, just physically. So the two most attractive girls in Savannah, Georgia, growing up were um, Reagan Howard and Victoria Turner. And Victoria and I uh, were married for a brief period, huh. and just not the hottest girl in Savannah anymore. Was not- <laughs> come on, you're not that materialistic. There has to be something more to it. No, it just everything went to shit, and you know everything just it fell apart. And cause I was losing everything I had in real estate. Uh-huh. Um, and it just like everything just went to garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was in real estate, made a killing. I was the top of the mountain. I owned five of the biggest buildings on Broughton Street in downtown Savannah, Georgia. And then like I had this one project, five and fifteen West Broughton Street. So this is in a time when most of like a lot of our loans were done through private banks, mm-hmm. local banks, and they were all commercial paper and. When everything started to go down, banks couldn't renew these notes because their books were off balance, and it was just a recipe for disaster. It's like watching it. You knew what was coming, and there's nothing you could do about it. 5 and 15 West Broughton Street collapsed and took down everything I had. Um, mm. So I felt sorry for myself for... Our experience in 2008 was very different with the... Uh, or was it 2009? When did the... When did it, it was when Obama got elected... Uh, Obama was elected in 2010, wasn't he? No, 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 no. 2008. 2008 was that was the yeah that was the economic yeah, so like, because I got my I was in my first on air job in Texarkana and I was getting paid twenty six thousand dollars a year. Not yeah, 50, I didn't have fifteen million in the bank. I was like take, I was working eighty hours a week and getting twenty six grand, and then that the economy went in the crapper and we lost a lot of our advertising revenue at the station. My boss was like, I got to let you go. Yeah, like Lehman and that's Brothers. How I, and that's how I started the show. Lehman, like, what am I going to do now? Lehman Brothers failed. Uh, the banking crisis, you know, Occupy Wall Street. Mm. I wasn't at the top of the mountain, though. I was, I like, was at the I tip was top of it. Middling around in Texarkana. I was at the top of it. And everything. Every, and I, so I lost everything. Mm-hmm. And um, I felt sorry for myself for about 48 hours. And I was like, this is stupid. And my, my brother Mitchell was a Force Recon Marine. And he had... Um, he was in the process. He was starting medical school. And I was, he was like, you should do a 
rep 62, rep 63 contract, which is straight into SF. And I was like, yeah, cause I, at that point I was done with money. I didn't care. Mm. I was like, that's the cause of all my problems is money and all this stuff. And like, I just, I'm disgusted and I need a complete change. So I was going to do that. I was 50 miles away from camp Blanding to sign papers. And they're like, yeah, dude, you have an inguinal hernia and your shoulders completely needs to be rebuilt. You're not going to pass maps. So I was like, well, I got to do something. So I started going through the defense foreign service agent program through the department of state. And I was like, well, if I have language and medical, I'm a shoe in. So I went to NYU to get a master's degree in Arabic and I took emergency medicine at Columbia University. Wow. And my first night in New York, um, my car got towed. Brand new Range Rover. Because, you know, they hadn't, hadn't lost that yet. And it got <laughs> towed. And I was like, as punishment, I'm going to walk 80 blocks to the pier where the towed vehicles are. And I got about two, two blocks into that walk. And I remember thinking... No one here cares about my problems because everyone around me has their own set of problems and I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be, I'm going to be fine. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to figure this out. And so that was in August of 2010. And then, um, December of 2010, we started a CrossFit apparel company called Tupood. Okay. And then January 24th of 2011, we started a drink company called Killcliffe. And so everything just, I went from like lost with no direction and thinking I was going to go save the world in the Middle East and defend my country and all this stuff to I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a businessman. I'm going to do what I did before, but I'm going to do it better. So that's why you have the I love New York. I love New York tattoo. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you can make it in New York on your own for two years, you can make it anywhere in the world. Yeah. My wife lived in Manhattan for three years while we were dating. Yeah, it's the, it, I lived at 10th and B. It's amazing. Yeah. But what I learned was with the CrossFit apparel company called Tupood, I learned how to move customer bases. So we had an, we started Tupood and it really took off. And like, dude, like I was like balls to the wall. And we established this little culture and community because when you, for a company or a business to be successful, you have to have two things. You have to have culture and you have to have community. Mm-hmm. And we established that relatively quickly in the CrossFit space with Tupood. And then I realized, I was like, wait a minute. Tupood, CrossFit Apparel, Killcliffe, Sports Recovery Drink, same aisle of the grocery store, mm-hmm. so to speak, technically yeah. speaking. So if I introduce the Tupood customer base to Killcliffe, that's a good thing. And I learned that I can move customer bases around. And as long as every the more brands I had work, I was working with or had influence over on the same aisle of the grocery store, the better it was long-term for everybody involved. And so Killcliffe went from, we sold two pood four years ago, made, made, made a good chunk of money on that. Um, and the guy that we sold it to is like a tech dude, young tech guy in Austin. He's taken it another level. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's doing great. Just spot, signed a deal with be the official belt of the CrossFit games. Good for him. Um, but Killcliffe, we went from zero to 16 million in like no time, like super fast. And I remember, uh, Kavanaugh, who was like our first, one of our first auto subscribers. He got two cases a month delivered to his house. He called me on a Saturday. I was in my brother's bedroom, my brother's childhood bedroom in my mom's house. He's like, yeah, I want to chat with you. I was like, yeah, you want you want to place another order? He's like, no. Um, I want to talk about investing in Killcliffe. I was like, He's like, we want to invest. I was like, who is we? He's like, well, I work for Tyson Foods. And I was like, hmm. oh. So we flew out to Northwest Arkansas. 
met with Tyson and that year Tyson did like 34 or like 36 billion in sales. And then we had another group out of Boston called Sherbrooke Capital, which is Yankee bastards. <laughs> Yankee bastards. And John Genuzzi, if you're listening to this or Nardoni, you guys are Yankee bastards. And that's why <laughs> Southerners don't trust Northerners still. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if we had taken money from Tyson Foods, they wanted to buy 30% of Killcliffe. Their due diligence process would have shut down our small company. So you got to think a $36 billion company. Yeah. Their attorneys doing accountants doing due diligence on a little fitness sports drink. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, you know, it'd have been overwhelming. So we went with those bast- bastards. We went with the Yankee bastards money and they thought they were smarter than us because they had, you know, they all had these elite resumes and these, you know, resumes with all these different beverage companies and food companies they'd invested in and between three and six million and exited between 80 and 240 million. And what, what did we know? Yeah. And looking back on that now, and this is, we just bought Killcliffe back four months ago from another VC firm that it was sold twice. People that start companies, like people that invest in companies don't have the skills to start companies. And I said, you have to have two things to be successful, culture and community. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that happens when, when know-it-all VC money comes into a brand is they start to kill the culture. And when you lose your culture, you lose everything. If, if, culture is normally the first thing to go. And when you lose culture, you're done. Because mm. your community will erode. Because they're there for the culture and the community. And when that starts to erode, like there's less dudes hanging out in the bar, you know, less, less of your friends, you know, you don't want to go hang out in certain places because you don't know anybody there anymore. Yeah. Um, and so they, they eventually wrestled control away from Todd, um, Todd, former Navy SEAL. And like, he did everything they, he trusted him. He did everything they told him to do. He alluded to this in our conversation. We didn't go into it like that, but yeah, he said he was gone for a while and then now he's back. Yeah. 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 And we will never make the mistakes. I talked to Chris Olivier this morning on the way over. That's why I was late. We will never make the mistakes this time that we made last time. Mm-hmm. And we're all old, older, smarter, wiser, way more experienced. So it, what's going to happen with Killcliffe in the next 24 months should be pretty so rad to see. This says, uh, elk, oh, this is elk blood. Spice. Mm-hmm. Okay. CBD, mm-hmm. 25 milligrams. Uh, so I don't. What? Why is this better for you? Because we all know that sugar, uh, no bang. Sugar. There's no sugar, and well, there's no sugar in a bang, but bang's not good for you. But bang is full of a bunch of other weird stuff. Yeah, or Monster, which has sugar. Red Bull has it. So I like. I like the taste of Red Bull. I do. Really? See, I don't. I like it. I don't like the taste of Red Bull. But I can't drink it because of all that damn sugar. And then if I drink the zero sugar one, I'm like, oh, tastes like aluminum. Can't be good for me. Tastes like yeah. aluminum. But, so when you look at like, we both love coffee. Yeah. And, so, but I don't want to drink a coffee at. Personally, you know, I drink coffee in the morning. That's the last time I, I put coffee in my body. In the morning. Now, here's what I like about yeah. here. So this is so this is uh, the octane, which is the energy drink component mm-hmm. of Killcliffe. So the original flavor only has 25 milligrams of caffeine. I think octane has 150, 125. Mm-hmm. But the I'll send you some recovery, which is our original formula, has 25 milligrams of caffeine, one milligram of green tea extract, mm-hmm. and then it's got the CB 25 milligrams of CBD. I do not smoke weed. Mm-hmm. I, I can't. It um, marijuana does something to me. If you were to say I'm going to give you ten grand to smoke this joint, I wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. 
25, I probably would do it. 10 grand. No, I, dude, it, sure. you, it's like, it, it turned it like I'll have a psychotic episode. I don't know what it is. Something about my body. When I was the, younger, I, I did frequently, but not these oh, days. No, but never. you know what I like is, uh, so my back's pretty jacked up and I do rub the CBD ointment on mm-hmm. my, I've, bulging L4 and L5 so I'll rub it on my lower back every night VRB labs they have a I have I have some in my car I'll, I'll leave it with you it's a roller ball mm-hmm. application it's it's amazing VRB labs uh Chase uh Hobby and Aaron uh or, I'm sorry Chase Hobby and Evan uh both Wharton dudes both academy grads one was a ranger one was a pilot amazing product um but the the CBD stuff like I'll drink um a Kilcliffe like recovery in the afternoon and that CBD just takes that little, cause that's dude. Like I go through most of the day pissed. Mm-hmm. Like I, I run pretty hot. Like I'm constantly like drive, drive, drive and something, something will irritate me. Um, and I'll start obsessing about it. And the CBD stuff just kind of takes that little edge off. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the weeds, I don't do weed. I can't smoke weed. Melissa does. I cannot, I've done tons of other drugs recreationally. There's something about marijuana that does something to me and my brain, I won't touch it. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Um, it makes me crazy. Yeah, I don't know what. It, like if if every if we got twenty people here, and everyone consumed the same amount of THC or, or smoked the same amount of weed, I would be five thousand times more messed up than everybody else. It just it does something to me. I don't know what. So it is. I, I've done some stuff also <laughs> when I was younger. Yeah, yeah. You know, but part of the reason why I think I was so. And still am to this day attracted to my wife is like she's never smoked a cigarette, never done any illegal drug, drinks a little bit for fun, mm-hmm. but but I think like I was like wow this is like the good wholesome yeah but woman the thing is dude I you get always looking for you get older and wiser uh-huh. and you look back on that stuff it's just so stupid oh yeah like all the drugs yeah, I've done every re- dumb decision I've ever made was after midnight yeah in an altered state <laughs> yeah. period yeah hundred percent period my dad always said. Nothing good happens after midnight. And he was right. They're always right. Yeah. Parents are always right. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so so back to, so Kilcliffe, um, we were blowing up. And companies started kind of reaching out to me, like, how would you do this with social media? And I was like, hey, I'm 100% focused on Kilcliffe. I'm not interested. And then they, Sherbrooke replaced Todd as the CEO with this, thin-skinned, weak, loser, pathetic excuse of a beta male. Mm. Um, And I was like, it's over. (laughs) Um, So I was the last person there. They'd run Todd off. They'd run off GW. Hyle was gone. Leslie was gone. Everybody was gone. I was the last man standing in the original crew. And I remember Athena told me, she goes, you know, your problem is you've stayed here. You've been here two years too long because your identity is now tied to Kilcliffe. You're Baker from Kilcliffe. And um, I just remember I lost it on this guy. It was a Sunday. And I just, this this new CEO, just from Minnesota, just a, he's a cuck. Um, and uh, I remember thinking, this isn't going to work. And so I started, I made a couple phone calls. So I basically planned my battle space. Mm-hmm when it was time to exit and so that was December of 2016 and then rolled January 3rd I think I talked to Evan Hafer uh, it was a, uh, on the morning I was standing in front of my house in Seattle or Mill Creek Washington it's like 10.04 a.m. in the morning 
And I was like, all right, dude, I'm going to start my own thing. Give me one piece of advice. And he goes, be more diplomatic with how you deal with people. And I was like, F you, but okay. <laughs> um, and then dude, it just off to the races. And then, you know, with anytime you leave something that you help start or you leave an established job, you've been at for seven, eight years. Um, you know, it's scary, mm. but I went from making X to making three X within 60 days of leaving. Mm. And the one thing I'm glad I never did, I never publicly bashed or bad mouthed Kilcliffe. Internally, despised, hated him, wanted him to fail. Sure. I, well, so, I mean, I've had really, I've gotten to a point now, and I mean, mm. you've had a lot to do with that, um, where I don't work with companies that I don't want to work with. Like, yeah. it, in the beginning, I was struggling, you know, trying to make ends meet. I'm like, yes, please, if you want to get involved with my show. And yes. even if, there were some companies that I would post pro Second Amendment stuff or don't transgender my kid stuff or whatever that I knew they were cringing when I was making those posts. Mm-hmm. And I've cut ties with all of them. It's yeah. so beautiful. Like yeah. Lone Star Beer, you were talking about this beta cuck male that uh, Killcliffe hired. Like they brought in a New York pantsuit woman to run this Texas beer brand. Really? And they had, yes, dude, I was so bad. And they they advertised on the show for, they had the title spot, or the, uh, um, presenting sponsor, which is what Mossberg is now, like Lone Star had that for, I don't know, four or five years. And they had a camo can. And every September for dove season, they sold more beer than any other month that they ever sold. And she's like, eh, what we're going to do is get rid of the camo can. That's what we want. Because we want the Lone Star beer drinker to be a dude in a flannel shirt with a man bun and some hiking boots sitting in a bar drinking a tall boy with his buddies. That's the that's the ideal Lone Star beer drinker. No, it is. Screw no, it is. the hunting so, community. Yeah. Screw the dove hunters. You know, and so I she got rid of the camo can and I was like, uh I, the writing was on the wall. The next year they're like, hey, we're not gonna re- renew. It, and I was like, oh yeah, no shit. And no problem because I don't want to work with you it anyway. Never it never those same with first light. Those pivots never work out. And I have nothing bad to say about First Light's products or or the, the people there, the way they run the company it was they're great to work with, but philosophically we did not we had our differences like if you say we're pro hunting and conservation but we have a problem with you shooting that animal in first light even though it's legal and i'm talking about a giraffe uh then then that's not the company for me because i believe in conservation across the board even if it might hurt some people's feelings on social media anyway i called numa signed a two-year contract and uh got out of that deal and and that was the last company I worked with where I was relieved when it, you know, the relationship had run its course. Of all the animals that I've killed in my entire life, the one that I will never forget every split second of was a giraffe. Hmm. It's awesome. You can't beat it. I dropped a giraffe running full speed uh, with one shot. Nice. With a 470 Nitro Express. Dropping like a sack of flour. <laughs> and I'll, I was like, I just remember like we were all like G'd up for like this shoot. We're just going to start blasting this thing because we want to put it down fast. And, yeah. da, 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 da. and like everyone's like keyed up and wired and ready to go. And I just swung around and went Doosh, and it died. Uh, and dude, every, I didn't, everyone just, not. everyone just looked at me. And I was like, <laughs> Hey man, that's what we were. That's what I'm supposed to do. Right. They're like, and Vasi's like, I've been doing this 30 years. I've never seen that. I, that, that is not what they told me would happen. When wide I open. Yeah. And I just went, 
I shot mine with a 375 Ruger through the front shoulder. Perfect shot. And then he ran about 50 yards, turned around, and shot him in the exact same spot on the opposite shoulder. And then he still ran another 50 yards before he fell over dead. But, you know, the, the bullet holes were just identical on each shoulder. Mine died in its tracks. That's cool. Yeah, that's yeah. a big animal to put down. It's like so cool. They're the coolest. And the thing that's interesting about giraffes is Did when you... Did you shoot it in the head? No, I shot him right in the, on the side shoulder. Uh-huh. So I got okay. lungs and heart mm-hmm. with a 470 Nitro Express. Just boom. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to... That's a big one. I'm going to drill him with one, and then I'm going to drill him with another one. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to reload, and I'm going to shoot him two more times. And I... That's it. Yeah, All that's right. awesome. What do I do now? Uh-huh. Um, so how did so how did the evolution? Okay, so how we met was you were running Mossberg's social yeah, so, media. So and, one of the first companies I signed with my consulting company was Kimber. Uh-huh. And uh, there's <laughs> you know Ryan Bussey then. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> what you, you want to know some stories about Ryan Bussey? So I, I do not like. That, I've man. always gotten along with him in a one-on-one environment. Uh-huh. He's actually quite knowledgeable. But he lied about me one time. This was 2000, spring of 2017 at a BHA rendezvous. And he lied about me. He said I said something to a writer that I, one, would never in a million years say mm-hmm. and just and didn't say. He's like, he said that he told some people that I called a writer from Men's Journal um, an effing queer. Hmm. And I don't speak that way. Yeah. I don't, that, I, I don't communicate like that. Um, and I remember he told two of the people that work at Kimber that I said that, and they were like, he told Emily and Shannon that, mm. and they were like, Baker would never in a million years say that one. He wouldn't say it too. He would never say it in a public setting around a group of people. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? And I remember the writer from men's journal, cause I was with him all weekend. And I remember he called me to, to clarify some quotes I made on the interview that he did with me and other people. And I was like, Hey dude, like, uh, I just want to let you know, I really enjoyed hanging out with you and learning how that your world works. Like writers, like I'm not a writer. I don't, you know I mean? This is really a first for me. I'm really grateful. He's like, yeah, man, I really enjoyed chatting with you. He's like, you were really, I think that really the only person, um, the whole weekend that actually was a hundred percent honest with me. Cause I was like, yeah, I'm a Trump supporter. Um, I am, I hunt on, I do way more hunting on private land than I do public land. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. And I, I was like, Hey man, like, so did I say anything that offended you? He was like, what would define? I was like, did I call you a name? Or he's like, what, what, do you, what? I was like, Hey man, did I, did I call you a queer? He's like, no, what are you talking about? I was like, did anyone? He's like, no. Like, where are you getting this from? And I was like, well, someone made a statement saying that I offended you and you would never come back to a BHA event because I called you like, a, well, let's be honest, a, a fag or something. Who would who in the hell would want to go to a BHA event? At the time, it was kind of cool. Right, I went to one rendezvous, and I'm thinking it was in Boise. This was, was in Boise. It was either in 2017 or 2018. It was Boise. And I went because I was like, I'd had Land Tani on the show a couple times, and I'm a huge public. I mean, this elk public uh-huh. land on my own, New Mexico, is my favorite thing to do. But I don't. That crowd is not my crowd. No, and they, you know, and and I'll tell you why, because. If you're recruiting the wrong kind of hunter, then you're not on my team. And if we're recruiting new hunters, but you say, uh, I'm a hunter, but you shouldn't trap, 
because it's unethical or you shouldn't predator hunt because I don't really like that you kill a bear um, or you shouldn't hunt behind a high fence. Th- this is the type of hunter that they are recruiting. Mm-hmm. I have no no use for you. You're not on my yeah. team. All yeah. you're doing is watering down our gene pool as a hunting You're community. my enemy. You are because we're doing the same thing, but you are you're you're watering down what I think is the right way to do it and the way that supports conservation. And if you're dividing us, then go to hell. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I remember and asking, if you're a pedophile, yeah, also exactly, go to hell. Yeah. So I remember asking, not saying that BHA people are pedophiles. And the guy but, was like, "Yeah, he's like, no, you didn't. What are you talking about?" I was like, "Well." Someone said that I referred to you as that. He's like, that person's on drugs. I was like, all right, cool. All right. I just want to make sure. Because even like in my most inebriated, drunk, drunken state, I remember the things that I say. Mm-hmm. Like no matter how drunk I get or whatever, I'm going to remember what I say to you. Like there's, you'll never be like, yeah, man, I was so drunk. I don't remember anything. That's never happened to me. Mm-hmm. My brain doesn't work that way. And when that happened, that's when I knew that Ryan Bussey was not my friend and was someone that I needed to keep close to me. He's been in this studio. We had a couple IPAs. We taped an interview. Um, and then like a month later, he's sending texts to the, the third party or mutual friend that got him here. And he's, and I'm wearing a t-shirt that says my, uh, AR 15 identifies as a BB gun. And he goes, what's your boy in Texas doing? And he sends this text. And my buddy screenshots it and sends it to me. He goes, well, I guess we were wrong about Ryan. He's obviously offended that I have on a pro Second Amendment shirt. And the dude worked for Kimber Firearms for like 20 years. I don't get it. His whole his whole existence no, doesn't no, no. make hold sense on, to me. No, no, no. Ryan Bussey is from Kansas. And Ryan Bussey has worked for one company in his entire life. And that was Kimber. Uh-huh. Ryan Bussey started working at Kimber when he was 23 years old. Ryan Bussey was there, I think, 27 years. Mm-hmm. And... I, I've never talked to him about this. I personally think that Ryan Bussey is a byproduct of his wife, who I think is kind of nuts mm-hmm. about his wife is base is very much an activist. Well, they're raising their boys to be total activists. They Soft-handed, this. weak, yeah. weak children. Um, they're celebrating his their son getting arrested the other day, which is they're like, oh my god, he's so brave for it's pro- like, probably for protesting. Yeah, protesting. It's like, no, your son's a yeah. A soft-handed, you know what? Yeah. Like, um, but I think Bussy's. So if you Bussy became institutionalized within the firearm space, and spent a lot of time around NRA people and gun reps and all that stuff, and and I'm not justifying his behavior. I'm going to try to explain what I think led him to this. Um, so you take a dude that grows up in the South. And his entire life, he's lived in the South. And he's an intelligent guy. And he's cerebral. And he has worldly thoughts. And and he's only exposed to, like, the most redneck type of people that the South produces. And he hears people dropping racial slurs and all this stuff. And he grows up around that. And he's like, I don't agree with any of this. I don't want to look like this person. I don't think like these people. Um, I don't want anything to do with them. So my answer to this is I'm going to take the position, the opposite position of these people. The problem with that is that they've never taken time to go see how the other side lives. So I have no problem with people wanting nothing to do with racism or, sure, of course, or or, uh, anti-Semitism 
or, or you know, I, I don't have a problem with anyone that, that wants to distance themselves from that. Most but people don't should it, distance no, exactly, from but that. like and, and bullying and all that stuff. But like, don't take the opposite position of that until you've gone to see how the other half of those people live. So I lived in New York City, and then I lived north of Seattle for seven years, and like, I understand. And I lived in San Antonio too. Like I, I've lived and traveled extensively and I've seen how all the different groups of people for the most part live. Mm-hmm. And I am a conservative. I'm a Republican. I will always be a conservative. I will always be a Republican. Um, and I think that's what happened to Bussy is like, he just got pushed with the help of his wife to the left because he got sick of, Maybe his All the wife should offer to give him his balls back out of her purse. Ryan Bussey lives in a 6,500-square-foot house that's worth well, well, well over a million dollars. Weird for a socialist. And all of everything he has is a byproduct of working in the gun industry. Right. Like, Ryan Bussey was making three to $500,000 a year for Kimber for yeah. a long time. And so he took all the money and did the job and everything, and now he's on the other side of the fence. And the thing that sucks... Dude, that would be me making a living in the hunting community and then being like, uh... I'm going to go work for PETA. Exactly. The pro- the thing that sucks about Bussy is that... Bussy, is a, he's a smart guy. He's an intelligent dude. Like, he's not some dumb knuckle-dragger. He manipulates data, and he manipulates facts, and he presents things to support a narrative, while at the same time trying to present himself as a hunter. Mm. So he and his little sissy son uh his weak two of them weak children they go out and they go bird hunting bird hunting he's pro gun because he bird hunts mm-hmm. um see that's the same thing uh i'm a hunter but yeah but well you know i don't i don't have a problem in the world with a mother being scared so like parkland kicks off some big school shooting or something happens and a mother who has children that are of the age of the kids that got shot or whatever like being worried and scared. I get it. I totally understand Dude, that. I'm a father. Every day I drop my kids off here, at school and that I kiss them goodbye and I, you know, I here, say a prayer, you know. It's but, just, he, but but this, this, the, the the probability of something happening as a result of one it being a school shooting, two being at the result of it happening by an AR mm-hmm. is a statistical anomaly. It is the number is so small. It's 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 not it, it it's tiny. Mm-hmm. Less than 250 a year nationwide are killed mm. by ARs and you want to ban something because of that. Now it's just, the whole thing's just sensationalized. That's all it is. It's just, they're just, they're sensationalizing it, but you don't hear them on the buses, but in particular, just the left, like we know, like, uh, was it labor day? We just had labor day. I get this. Or Memorial I get them. Day. I dude, I get them confused. Uh, I don't know the difference. I think it was Memorial day. One of them's opening weekend of dove season. The other one isn't, but anyway, it's uh, Memorial Day because Labor Day would be in the fall because it has yeah. to do with labor and... Okay, so... I think. Chicago had 21 people killed Labor Day weekend. Yeah, but you're a racist for saying that. Memorial Day weekend. You're a racist. 21 people you're killed. Racist. And guess what? Not one of them was shot with an AR and not one of them was a traditional mass shooting. But where is the outrage? Where's the outrage? I don't need outrage. I don't, I don't need outrage. In fact, I don't want outrage. What I want... Where's the it, common sense? No, no. I want... Where's, why is no one talking about it? Yeah. Talk about well, it. Well, that's the outrage. The talking well, about well, it. Well, remove the emotion and just talk about it. Why, why is this not being discussed? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, well, and I'll tell you why. It's because 
the left wants to disarm the population. They don't want us to have ARs. Yeah, but th- but see, so that's, that's the truth. That's sleight of hand, though. I'm just. But it is what it is, and but that's, that's why when I'm I said saying. all gun legislation is introduced by the left, it is. Yeah, but they don't. That would never pass. So, like, why are you guys parroting this around? Well, if they would have, I'll tell you, if they would have maintained control of the House and the Senate, they would they would ban ARs. The sale of ARs would. That would be a bill that would be passed, and that would be that until we got control it, again. That would go before Scottish and to get overturned. Uh, I don't think so. They did it when the, the Clinton did it. Yeah, but it, but the it, the numbers are different now. It's true. Six three. Yeah. Well, but no, not even. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the number in in circulation. How many ARs are? are it's it's. Uh, they couldn't do a buy. They couldn't do a, a a ban, but they would ban the sale. Like it would be like you can't sell them anymore. I think that's virtually impossible. I don't know. I mean, they talk about it. I, here's what I believe fundamentally. You know what happens when they when talk about it? When someone says they want to do something, that they really do want to do that thing. Do you know why? You know what happens when they talk about it? Gun sales go through the roof. Oh, I know. I know. So every time they talk about it, gun sales go through the roof. Mm-hmm. You know what really gets gun sales going is uh, pandemics. And if you want to find a, a seventh gear in your car and a turbo booster and some nitrous oxide, let them start rioting during a pandemic. You will find a whole different level of firearm sales. Mm-hmm. It's I can't. I'm not going to quote numbers. I, I'm, I can't. Um, I can't disclose that. But I will tell you that there are gun manufacturers that did 2019, 2020 numbers in two months mm-hmm. in in during the pandemic and the riots. Oh, there's no doubt. Yeah, like what they did the year before in like April and March. Well, dude, like it's crazy. I mean, I, Linda Powell comes on regularly uh-huh. from Mossberg and she was like, yeah, people are just buying our hunting shotguns for home defense that have never had a shot, never owned a gun. And they're just going to the gun store and be like, what do you have that I can buy bullets and the gun right now today or shells and the gun right now today? And they're like, here's a uh, 12 gauge Turkey specific shotgun. They're like, I'll take that. Where are the, where are the shells? I'll, the, I'll take that too. The, um, and they have no gun training. And then they send a mess. <laughs> then they send a message into uh, Mossberg social media and demand to know why they can't. What do you mean I can't buy it off your website? Right. My other favorite was how do you load this thing? Uh-huh. Hundreds, hundreds. But hey, you know what? And hundreds of DMs. How do you load this shotgun? They bought guns. A pump. So, oh, yeah. tons of them. Um, which I'm I'm a big fan. But so that's how you found me was Mossberg social media page just start growing. And you're like, I don't understand. We so what happened with Mossberg was so Christine runs Mossberg Social, and uh, I remember looking at a social report. We gained like nine thousand followers in two days on the Instagram. Mm. I was like, what is Dax? I was like, what is this? Figure this out. And he combed the internet, and he's like, oh, some dude did a giveaway, <laughs> and that was you. But um, so I my first company that I consulted for was was Kimber. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Rich Kirk. So there's three people that I owe a lot of my success to, and that's uh, Evan Evan Hafer, founder and CEO of Black Rifle Coffee, um, Todd Ehrlich, founder of Killcliffe, and Richard Kirk, who does the marketing at Mossberg. Um, and he hired my company to do all the social for Kimber, and we absolutely crushed it. It was crushed it uh, analytically, just blew it up. And we did all their stuff for like four or five years and then uh, he left and went to Mossberg and we followed him over there and my digital mongoose does all the social stuff for mm-hmm. Mossberg and then I work with a couple dozen other companies consulting and stuff like that um, it's fun learn and I just like focus on companies that all live exist on the same aisle of the grocery store right because the rising tide raises all ships and like 
like I can do collaborative stuff here and stuff here and signal boost here and there. So that's how it all got started. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, so you've always seemed like more of a behind the scenes guy. Like you, you're like, you're a make it happen guy. You like uh, to no. Get... So I, I'm a guy, I want to create the news. Uh-huh. I don't want to be the news. So you heard me talking about depreciating assets, yeah. vanity. I'm not getting more attractive. I'm not getting better looking. When did your hair go away? Well, so my freshman year of college, I remember uh, I played football. I took my helmet mm-hmm. off and I remember looking down and my helmet was full of red hair. And I was like, <laughs> what is this? Like, like, I don't know. When do I shave mine off? Uh, dude, I looked like that when I was like 19 years old. So it's old. not, I'm, I'm oh, good. I don't dude, need to got, shave again. You got probably another six, seven, eight years in you. Okay. <laughs> but that's, yeah. So <laughs> I'm I, thinking about it. Yeah. So my whole thing was always, I want to create the news. I don't want to be the news. So like I am as tied in as tight with Black Rifle Coffee and the founders of that company as anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I wanted to be internet famous, I promise you, there's no person that's not internet famous that's had more opportunities to be internet famous than me. Mm-hmm. But I don't... But so you're co-hosting the Free Range American podcast now. No, so. it's not Free Range. It's the... So, so I do I do a lot of stand-in episodes for Black Rifle Podcasts. Black Rifle. But yeah. that's the news. That's like creating news. That's not being the news. Like right. I don't... Like you'll notice like... But you, you're on mic now. So that's... I mean, that's like a little shift from what's that i said but you're on you know you're you're co-hosting the podcast. oh I, dude i've coasted hundreds of podcasts mm. like evan and i had we had launch code which i did 144 episodes mm. of um yeah i've done that's different like that's me talking and people listening to me I, i'd have no problem talking and people listening but like i'm not the guy that tries to get in the photos mm. with matt best and evan like i don't that's not my thing yeah. like i just i think it's silly um because i'd like it starts to, you, you you can, there's a choice that you, in my opinion, like in my ecosystem that you make very early on when you come into the Black Rifle Coffee world. It's like, I want to be, I want to push the boulder. I want to help push the boulder up the hill. Or like, I want to be the guy taking photos and doing selfies. Like, I don't, I want to be pushing the boulder because yeah. there's value there. Because that, you gain wisdom, in my opinion, with with hard work. And if you're a guy that's got a shoulder dug into the boulder, pushing it up the hill, um, that's where you want to be. Not consumer facing. Uh, the, well, and that's what I've always thought about you. Cause like we'll have a, a text or we'll be on the phone and be like, I got to take this call. And it's like, well, you, you've got your, you know, you've got a lot of irons in the fire. It seems the, like you're, there's you're always a, moving there's, and shaking. There's a couple people that no matter what I'm doing, when the phone rings, it gets answered. If it, Evan Hafer is one, it doesn't matter sure. what I'm doing. I will stop doing that and answer the phone. Um, Rich Kirk's another one. Um, Todd, to a degree, is. Um, but yeah, like that's what people pay me to do. They pay mm-hmm. me to answer. They, they, I get paid to answer the telephone when it rings, mm-hmm. and that's what I do. I answer the phone when it rings. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I don't, I don't, and you'll you'll see people like in the Black Rifle ecosystem that were like personalities that aren't really around anymore because like that wears you out. Like it, you, you, like there's, you only have a certain amount of like, there's a useful, there's a shelf life for that being a funny personality or whatever. And that when it goes, it's gone. However, when you're a reliable person that, you know, it's wise and has a lot of experience doing important stuff, there's value there. Mm-hmm. Like, do you want to be the guy that has been working and, you know, making high level decisions for 20 something years? Or do you want to be the guy that made some funny videos three years ago? Right. You had a couple of viral funny videos. I don't want to be that guy. 
That, no, that's, that's not longevity. No, that's a depreciating asset. Mm-hmm. That's my that's my whole thing. So yeah, yeah. I just I want to be the guy that creates the news. I don't want to be the guy that is the news. Gotcha. All right. Well, Baker, let's let's take our last break here. We'll come back and wrap up today's conversation. Uh, might get your take on the greatest conservationist of all time. Who knows what else? Uh, but I'm sure you've got a hot take there. That segment of the show brought to you by. All Seasons Feeders, and Lone Star Ag Credit. We'll be right back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Well, the wife and the kids and the dogs are gone. I can't get Jesus on the phone. But old Milwaukee's best, my best friend. Hey, guys. Cable here to remind you that one of my favorite seasons is upon us. It's Texas Trophy Hunter Extravaganza season, and it kicks off in Houston August 4th through the 6th. That's Friday through Sunday at the NRG Center. It's fun for the whole family. Uh, whether you're looking for a new deer blind, a feeder, uh, maybe a, a barbecue pit or smoker, or you want to book a, a trophy hunting trip or fishing trip, they've got all of that going on. Hundreds of exhibitors, um, plus stuff to see and do for the kiddos. Live rattlesnakes, alligators, all that. So very family-friendly. Check it out. Is the Texas Trophy Hunters Extravaganza taking place in Houston at the NRG Center August 4th through the 6th. For more info, just head over to TTHA.com. It's that time of the year where you might want to try to kick off a new year with a fitness journey. Cryo and More has all your holistic healing needs with cold therapy, heat therapy, and pressure therapy, which shortcuts the time you have to spend recovering from your workout or minimize the muscle soreness you feel from physical activity. Cryo Skin is a body hack that speeds up the death cycle of the fat cells using non-invasive technology that uses heat and cold to eliminate fat cells. Your greatest wealth is your health. Visit cryoandmore.com or head over to the location off of Virginia Parkway in McKinney. If you're looking for a new gun safe, you need to check out the Performance Firearm Storage Solutions from Securit. Unlike traditional safes, Securit products are designed to perform for you. They're lightweight, so you can discreetly store them in any room in the house, and the interior is completely customizable to fit your guns and gear. I would know. I've got four of them. Their fast-access storage system keeps my guns and optics organized so they never touch each other or get damaged, and I'm never more than an arm's length away from a firearm. The best part? They're always running great sales. Head over to SecureItGunStorage.com backslash cable to see their latest promotion, and you can thank me later. You can't choose the blood that's in your veins. You can't redo yesterday. You can go by a brand new name, but your heart still beats the same. Thank God that'll never change. So here's to. All right, that's the latest from our good friend Jarrett Ray Reddick bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg. Royal Family, the name of that one, uh, from the Bowling for Soup frontman. That's his uh, country project. And uh, if you recall, we had Jarrett in studio, oh gosh, probably like, probably been six months or so ago, but uh, awesome dude, super friendly guy, uh, and great tune there. I'm Cable Smith, by the way. Thanks for being here. We've still got Baker Levitt here in studio. And before we get back into that conversation, this segment, Brought to you by Mossberg's MC2SC 9mm EDC. That's everyday carry. It's what I have on me at all times. You can find, uh, and did you know, actually, historically, the first gun Mossberg ever made was a pistol. 
and then they kind of got out of it for dang near a century. Uh, but they're back with the MC2SC. Uh, you can find it at Mossberg.com. Well, Baker, let's start this off with uh, a loaded question here. Who's the greatest conservationist the world has ever known? I don't like that question at all. Oh, um, I'll tell you, I think it's Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, the obvious. The, that's the Occam's razor. Yeah. Normally, the obvious answer is the right one. Um, I'll tell you who I think the most important conservationist in modern times is, is be Steve Rinella. Yeah. I think Steve Rinella has brought more eyeballs to that subject and topic than anybody um, in, in recent, in the past mm-hmm. 20 years. However, with the good comes the bad and with the bad comes the good. He also, in my opinion, not intentionally created that whole BHA. Like, well, was, was that exactly. public, That's public land? Problem. Was yeah. that public land or private land? Mm-hmm. Was it bow or rifle? Like, I don't need to qualify anything that I do to you. Mm-hmm. I shot him on a private ranch. I paid $18,000 to go kill that elk, and I shot him with a rifle at 312 yards. He's 381 inches. Next question, please. Mm-hmm. Like, versus some scrub bull that you ground, ground out over three weeks in the, you know, in the mountains of Oregon. Good for you. I'll celebrate well, yours. Well, the other thing is, he didn't, you know, it's not Steve. It's the the mindset that a lot of those people that follow him religiously is that they have a trailhead within 30 minutes of their house. Do you have a trailhead by your house? I don't. I live in Texas. I live so in Florida. Man. Now you're going to vilify me because I, not even a high fence, because I have at least oh, 4,000 acres here, 200 in Oklahoma, and I have feeders on them. And for, some, and for some reason, that's not okay. You do it your way, and by God, I love to do it your way too. I'm going to come play in your sandbox every year because I love it. But why are you going to bitch and moan about my way? Come to South Texas and try to kill a white-tailed deer without a feeder in the brush country. I want to watch you struggle because I will kill an elk on public land faster than you'll kill a white-tailed deer in the brush country without a feeder. So the he he helped create that whole locavore thing, mm. which is a super judgy way. Like the whole, like, he only hunts public land. He's a meat hunter. And, like, this is the way it should be done. And it's like... I work a tremendous amount and I have made tons of sacrifices in my personal life and private life, personal, professional, private life to accomplish the things that I have. So like you can ask Melissa, like I work seven days a week, man. And it's so I can go do these wild and crazy things. Mm -hmm. And I think Ranella is not intentionally, but I do think he is the catalyst for that whole BHA locavore. If you didn't kill it on private land with a bow, it doesn't count. Public land, yeah. If you didn't kill it on public land with a bow, it doesn't count. Mm-hmm. All of those people can kiss me where the sun doesn't shine. Mm-hmm. I have no tolerance for you. I don't care. Like go be these. That's why go I be whatever you are somewhere else. The people that I respect more now than ever are Bone Collector, Waddell, T Bone, Nick Munt, because they. Michael, here's the other th- other thing that I don't respect about a lot of the Western guys, Randy Newberg, people like that. Um, a lot, and I've, these people, these are people that have all been on the show multiple times. Steve, Randy, great guys. Um, they won't talk about politics, and why? Because it affects their bottom line. Uh, why can I not go shoot a giraffe? Well, it might affect the bottom line. Uh, wh- what do you think about ARs? Well, I tend to vote more on a, just an issue by issue rather than I'm like, so, you know what? So, I, so yeah, th- that the whole thing with like hunting with ARs to me is weird. But like, so no, like, but you know, I mean, but like, so like pigs, Evan, like, so like Evan and Matt, uh-huh. those guys carried a, a, a black rifle professionally for 10 to 20 years. Yeah. 
they're super comfortable hunting with that platform. I'm comfortable hunting with a standard bolt gun. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's my comfort. I'm comfortable with that gun. I'm comfortable hiking. No, I with mean it. more like there's people that believe in those organizations that believe what Ryan Bussey believes about ARs. Like, oh no, yeah, that's my point. That's my point. Is like, um, I think hunting with ARs is kind of dorky, unless oh. you're like unless you're opponent, unless you're predator hunting. Yeah, yeah, or but pig like, hunting. You know, um, but like going out and hunting deer on an AR platform or like hunting elk on an AR platform, like it's just kind of like hmm. I've never done it. But, but there are but people it's, but that it's like not, but I'm introduce not their kids on a I'm not comfortable. I'm more comfortable carrying what I grew up hunting with yeah. in the woods sure. than that. Like, but, like, dude, I've got a safe full of ARs. I've got tons of them. Mm-hmm. Now, I will tell you this. I did just get um, a Live, Cure, Die 308, which is that uh, bolt gun on an AR platform mm-hmm. with Kevin Brittingham. Mm-hmm. I will be hunting with that this fall. Nice. I promise that. Yeah. I promise you I will be hunting whitetail with that out of a... Out of a, out of a um, out of a, a box blind over a feeder mm. <laughs> and, and a mineral site and a yeah. trail cam right beside it. Yeah. So I'll know what's there and when it's coming and that's, I'm going to go ambush those things. So what, so what is that, what you just described, why does that bother those dudes so much? Like, and here's the because thing. Because they like, don't understand it. Yeah. They, but listen. it doesn't affect them. What you're doing in Florida, what I'm doing in Texas doesn't affect them. So why do they raise a stink about it? Or why? Like, I just, I just had this uh, interaction with a guy on Instagram the other day. And um, it was something about hunting over a feeder. It wasn't even my feeder. And he was like, oh, what it was was there was an alligator sitting under a feeder, and he ki- the alligator cu- killed the pig. It was a still shot. I was- screenshot okay. that, and I sent it to my, my... So that dude, I said, it looks like alligators had figured out what southern hunters already know. Baiting is effective. And he went on his, his, his page. is called Western Outdoorsman, and we followed each other for a long time. And I respect the guy. Seems like a legit yeah. hunter. And he chooses that moment to go on his soapbox and start bashing hunting. And I sent him a private message and I said, so because you were born in the West and you don't, and I said, come to South Texas, what I just told you, and try to kill a white-tailed deer. And I said, you basically just alienated in, by your very narrow-minded opinion, what, how many, what percentage of deer hunters come from Texas? Let's just say 15% from the entire country. You just alienated over 10% of deer hunters. And also in the process kind of made yourself look like the person that we're just describing. Like, uh, like what's the point? So the state of Nevada two years ago, they killed 9,700 deer. That's whitetail and mule deer combined. Yeah. We killed season over like what? Over a million. million. Like dude, shut up. Like, um, and I said, and the same thing with bear hunters in, in Maine or Alberta, like where I killed this black bear mm -hmm. over bait in Alberta. Like these places you can't, hunt unless you draw the animals in and i guarantee you when you're hunting out west you're hunting places that where animals are coming to and from feed or wherever you you know know, the thing about um bear hunting in like alberta over those bait sites and stuff why i'll never do it Mm. i'm not sitting there that long (laughs) yeah you mentioned that you know no i'm not doing that i have like you got you can go shoot you you can shoot mine i'll give you my i'll Mm -hmm. buy tags and you can go shoot my bear um but the thing i don't what they don't, they, that's just a place of ignorance of people that make those statements. And there's just some dude having a crappy day that wants to make someone else have it. Say something. I, he didn't respond. Say he saw something, my message. He wants to say it, something crappy to respond. someone else on the internet because he's having a bad day. But, but, but it's, it's not like, him. It's not unique to him. It's, but it's, a, but if you, but if you, you look at the number of hunters, licensed hunters in Michigan, 
in Pennsylvania, that's two states, mm-hmm. there are more deer hunters, more hunt licensed hunters in those two states than all your Western states combined. Yeah. You guys don't make the rules. You don't make any of the rules because you're a niche. Elk, I hate to break it to everyone listening, really easy to kill. Elk's not hard. I'm eight for eight. Like elk hunting is not hard. Like you find the elk, you can kill them. Not hard. Southern whitetail hunting, in my opinion, major game species, it is the hardest thing to target and hunt a mature buck in Georgia. It is as hard as anything. If It is the hardest hunting in North America. Find me a mature buck in the South, feeder, not feeder, mineral site, whatever you want to do, protein site, whatever you want. I challenge you. Any, You give me the greatest elk hunter, greatest Western hunter, come down to the South. Let's see how good you are. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's Spot imp- and stalking a white-tailed deer with a bow is... is I'm so, not saying it's impossible. It's not impossible, but it is freaking... I mean, I've never done it. I'd love to see someone do it in Georgia. I've never done it. You know I've why? shot them with a bow, but so not have, spot and stalk. And you have to look at like game populations. Hmm. Like how many white-tailed deer are killed in the state of Georgia... What state was this guy from? Uh, Montana, Wyoming, whatever. Take your yeah. pick. It was. Yeah. Good luck shooting a, a deer there. Like your entire deer population died this winter. Mm-hmm. They lost 80% of their deer population because of winter kill and not a single fawn made it. Yeah. But my, you know, my, my, my sticking point with him was all of this money from the people you just alienated go to fund the same thing. We're all on the same team, right? We so- do more for conservation and the Pittman, I guarantee you that we contribute way more to conservation than you do. Well, if there's more opportunity, then you're buying more stuff for sure, which we have. What states sell more hunting licenses, more guns, more ammo? South. And it's not even close. Yeah. So you, Western hunter, sit on your high horse. Shoot your 6.5 Creedmoor. Yeah, dipshits. <laughs> Excuse my. Fr- I just, I hate those people, man. Like, I really, really do. And, like, and we have Western hunters that listen, and I, it, you know, if they're listening to this show, then they already know how I feel. And they're not that person. They, they get it. We don't, and I've said this so many times. The way that we all perceive hunting, by and large, is formed based off of where we were born and who our father and was. And our interactions. So the thing about the Western Or whoever, hunters, our grandfather, whoever took us hunting. It like, so elk hunting is aspirational. Mm-hmm. Like, as a Southerner, and I would say Texans are Southerners, mm-hmm. Like you either want to go to Africa or you want to go out west. Like that's your aspirational goal. Yeah, I do both. That's your aspirational goal growing up. And it's like, you know, we're all on the same team and I don't know why like we choose to like constantly attack each other and fight within like our own tribe. Like if you see someone doing something stupid, say something. But like there's a reason that a non resident person from Montana, this guy, can come to Georgia and go buy an over the counter tag. And he gets to kill 10 does and two bucks in Georgia. Mm-hmm. There's a reason for that. It's because our deer population is through the roof. I think we have 12 million deer in Georgia versus Montana. You get, if you're lucky, you can kill one deer a year. Yeah. Like, dude, we're not the same. Yeah. There's a reason that we're allowed to hunt over feeders. And you know how many deer I've shot over a feeder? So does, many. Does, tons. Uh, bucks, trophy bucks? No. You, you are not going to kill a trophy buck, a truly a trophy buck, over a feeder in the state of Georgia. Texas is different. Y'all have your own set of weird stuff that goes on out here. <laughs> but, dude, big bucks do not go to feeders yeah. in the south. They absolutely do not. Because yeah. so you got to think, you have a feeder, 
gravity feeders and their horns. Like they, they don't, if, if a buck, I've seen it both ways here. Like the buck that I was telling you on that 20 acres, I had a feeder, one feeder on that place. How long has the feeder been there? The feeder was there six months before the season started. The thing is, that deer avoided the feeder like you, the plague. Would he like, would come look you me tell at you why? the feeder. I'll tell you why. Because he was looking for does, but he would not go near that feeder. Do you want me to tell you why? How old was that deer? Five and a half, six and a half. He didn't grow up around it. It take it would it'll take three years for that deer to get to touch that feeder. So mm-hmm. here's the deal: when you put a feeder in a new, a, when you put a feeder on a new property, you are not killing a mature buck off that feeder. They are not going to go to it. They'll circle around it. They'll be curious. But like it's it's not going to happen if they don't grow up around it, and they're not super familiar with it. They're not they'll they'll, they'll check does because mm. they're not they'll come into the area looking for yeah, does. I mean that's what we're doing and we're... scent. But they're not you're not no dude. If they don't grow up around it, man, good luck. Yeah, good luck. I don't think that buck was ever coming to that feeder, regardless of how long it was there. Personally, like I just there's he, there's it, feeders around. I mean, he did, he had seen feeders before. Uh, no, but it's properties. that it's the, the that, it's that specific feeder. Yeah. If he, he's not familiar with it, he's not going to he's not going to mess with it. Um, why I asked about Teddy Roosevelt earlier was because the dude would sit in the White House and stick fight dudes and like walk away with with welts and bruises and damn near broken bones. And then you re, I read his his outdoor writings, and he's killing. Like, I've killed a black bear with dogs before. They ran it up a tree. He kills him with a knife. He kills black bears with a knife. He's a wild man. Yes. And so that is masculinity that I respect. Absolutely. And then you look at the Biden and you're like, does he have an ounce of masculinity in him? It's a bag of bones, man. And is and another reason why I think society is degrading so quickly is men are leaders. We're, that's what we're suppo- leaders of our family, leaders of our communities. Not that women can't do it. There are plenty of women who are exceptional leaders, but men are supposed to be leaders. And masculinity is a part of that. And masculinity is now toxic. And which is crazy because when you think about like egalitarianism and equality. Think about what women are attracted to, between, number one. On, between men and women. Women's rights are guaranteed by men. Mm. Men are the ones that enforce these things like women, women's rights are protected and guaranteed by men, not by other women, but by men. And that's the crazy part. Like that. I think a lot of people don't understand. And another thing about conservation, let me say this. I, that's a, that's a byproduct. I don't, I've never gone trumpsing into the woods thinking about conservation. Like I sure am doing a great job today. Conservation, conservating. I've never done that once. I don't, that is a, the whole conservation thing, in my opinion, is a talking point to appease the left and anti-hunters. I, but if it's the thing, if it's the mechanism that funds what we love to do, then I don't think it's a talking point. Like, but I don't it, think about it that way. But have you ever been involved with Ducks Unlimited or SCI? Or, oh yeah, for sure. Well then, but then even if you don't think about it that way, you're still supporting it. And oh, I do. Yeah, I mean, do I trust you? Trust it, me. It, I mean, Black Rifle. We spend a bunch so, of money with those organizations. More we so than lot. just buying your ammo because that's right. all Pittman Robertson, which you brought yeah, up. Yeah. But like, if you're if you say you're a member of Ducks Unlimited, then you're making a decision to take it a step further. Yes, I yes, but I don't. That's not why I hunt, and that's not why I hunt that, because that, it's fun. That's a you're mechanism. Right. I hunt because it's yeah. fun. That's a mechanism to ensure. That we can continue to do it, but like that's not my focus. Mm. 
I don't like, I don't think there's anything that's more fun or rewarding than killing your own food. And I don't think about it that way either. I promise. Like a lot of people are like, oh, you know, I'm providing for my family. I don't that's not I don't think about that either, man. Mm. I'm being honest. I like I lot- like how honest you are. But for me it's both. Like and I'll put it this way. My elk tags are always good for bull or cow. I have never come to full draw on a cow, and I never am going to pack a cow out of the mountains. Not doing it. I like the big rack and the meat. It's it's a package deal for me. So packing out a cow seven miles? Are you kidding me? See, see I don't do the seven-mile hikes anymore, man. Like I <laughs> shot my bull at Deseret last year, and I packed the entire elk up by myself. Uh-huh. So Will Allison... Um, who was my who was my guide at Deseret? Uh, cool guy. I became friends with him. We went, ended up turkey hunting with him this spring down in Texas. Um, I was like, "Listen, dude, you're gonna you're gonna clean it, and we're gonna quarter it, and I'm gonna pack it up by myself." He's like, "All right, fine." I was like, "Where are the keys to the truck?" <laughs> he goes, "Right here." So I walked th- three or four hundred yards to where the truck was, and drove the truck down to I think I got within about eighty yards of where the elk died. And I packed it all out by myself. He's like, let me know. I was like, no, no, no. I want to be able to tell people I did this myself. <laughs> um, but th- yeah, I don't go in after the meat either, dude. That's not what I do. Like, I, it, like I, I don't walk into the woods thinking, man, I sure am doing some great conservation. I'm doing really great stuff today. I've never had that thought once. And I've never walked into the woods 99.9% of the times I've been hunting. I've never gone in thinking about meat. That's not it, man. That it's not. It's not what does it for me. It's like. Well, see, then you're just the but, asshole that all of the, uh, all of the. You're a trophy hunter crowd, like hate. Yes, no, but I'm not. Like I'm not a trophy hunter either. Like I've killed some. I've killed a three. No, you are. You're a trophy hunter. But, I'm a trophy hunter. There's nothing wrong with that. No, but I'm a. I'm a trophy hunter that eats the meat, and that's part of the trophy. If the meat is good, if it's a bad elk, I'm not eating it. Okay, I've had bad elk, and it's nasty. That bull in New Mexico, disgusting. I didn't eat it. You just got to grind that stuff. No, it's gross. Mm. No, it was, I gave it all away. Um, well, it didn't go to waste then. Yeah, but like, I, I, I'm a trophy hunter. I go out with the goal of killing the biggest thing I possibly can. Sure. But what's more important to me than that is is the is the is the is the hang. Like the I like going out hunting with my friends. The experience. Yeah, that's that's all I care about, man. Like mm-hmm. um, having fun, having a good time, the workup, getting ready for it, talking, you know talking about it leading up to the trip, the post trip, the photos and all that stuff. That's what I really, really like. It's not, that's what drives me. It's not the meat. Mm-hmm. Um, the trophy is, is, is part of the process, but like it's part of the reward, but like access is different. Like access meat. I will go out in search of an axis because I want the meat. I want to eat the axis. Yeah. Uh, the bear didn't eat it. No, I'm not eating bear. It's gross. I've killed four bear and, tried to eat that one and they were like that bear has been over bait where we've been feeding it expired donut filling and rancid beaver tail do you want to eat that bear no and i and and they were like we've tried it tried the clients have tried it and it is gross and i was like okay i'm good the one i shot in new mexico over dogs um i i I, we butchered that thing i ate the whole damn bear it was delicious although my wife if there's and god bless her not a hunter enjoys wild game eats everything that i make except for internal organs she's out on that my son loves it but the one thing when i start cooking that she's like 
you're, you're making, she can smell the bear. She's like, that's bear. The, you know, I can give you a secret on organs that actually makes it really good. Take your organs, throw it in with your grant. We grant. Mm-hmm. So Maui Nui, which is a company out of Hawaii, uh, that does access meat. They put organs in with their ground mm-hmm. and it is out of this world. Oh, I'd do it. I think I haven't, but I would. I, I love think it. Organ meat is nasty. I think it's just, oh, I, I like man. heart yeah. when done the right way. Elk heart when done the right way. Um, but like liver and kidneys, that's disgusting. Uh, I'm not like eating it. that. No, I like ribeyes. I love I like a good it. ribeye. I got to clarify that. I like it out of birds. Uh, Dove hearts. I love turkey. Uh, you're nasty. No, no. Turkey nasty, liver nasty person. and <laughs> kidney. You're, you're, you're Ooh, listening to a nasty human being stuff. right now, everybody. Uh-uh. No, no, I no. like to... I, Duck and goose liver? <laughs> Man, that is good. I, good, good. I, it's, the, it's the iron. I can I taste the it. iron in it. it. But now if you're, if you're like, let's eat a whitetail liver. I'm going to do that once a year. I'm going to struggle through it. And I'm like, eh, not my favorite, but I'm going to do it. I don't but even all think, the birds I love. Dude, I don't think whitetail's that great. Mm, I like it. I've eaten tons. I've got freezers full of it. Eat it all. We we eat a and I want those listening. We eat a tremendous amount of wild game in our house. I've got two freezers full of elk and and deer, just packed. Mm-hmm. We eat a tremendous amount of wild game, but that's just a that's a secondary byproduct for me. Like people are like oh you know getting to provide for my family you know this clean protein and yada 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 and it's like you know it's really good. A juicy ribeye. That's mm. real good. Like whitetail, it's it's good. It's okay. Uh, you're not going to get any blowback from me if you were going to say, what's better, uh, a beef steak or a whitetail? Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a, a, a now, real marbled up. <laughs> now, I will tell you this. Hold on. Let me, beef let, is, let me man, clarify good. something here. One of my favorite things to do is shoot does at our farm in Georgia, take them to the processor, pay for them, and then give them to our friends in, in, in where, where we live. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love that as much as anything. Mm-hmm. That's awesome to me. I think I killed and paid for like 10 does this year to get processed and gave them out to all of our friends and all that stuff. Just mm-hmm. that, that was fun. I really enjoy doing that. But yeah. as far as like, you know, I just, I, I like to hunt because I'm allowed to and legally I'm allowed to and it's just fun. And I just don't feel like, I don't, there's, there doesn't need to be any qualifiers yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Like why I do it. Yeah. I do it cause I want to, you know? And I like it. And there's, now there's a lot of secondary benefits, but I just think it's fun and I like having fun. I work a tremendous amount so I can have fun. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, and I'll put it like this. I've always said, and I've been around these guys, extremely wealthy businessmen who fly into or drive to a high fence ranch. They get to hunt once or twice a year and they rack up a $30,000 bill because they killed, you know, two or three whitetail that were $15,000 a piece. That dude bought a hunting license. That dude bought a gun. He bought ammunition. Is the high fence whitetail hunting for me? Have I done it? Yes. Is it something that really gets my gears going? Absolutely not. But is that guy, in my opinion, on my team? Yes, he is. And he should be allowed. He works his butt off. He should be allowed to do that. You know who does a lot of that? Matt Best. Yeah. One of the co-founders of Black Rifle. So Matt's really good friends with the guys. I know he's really good friends with the guys at Champion Ranch. And I know he's hunted at Record Book Ranch. 
and I'm pretty sure Ox Ranch. Ox is one where you can shoot and blow up all the stuff. So yeah, but so Matt was a ranger and worked for CIA, CIA yeah. for a long time, like the blowing up stuff. Like he, you know, but like he he'll go out and do like a meat hunt where he'll go shoot God knows what, and then like he what did he? Oh, he shot a nil guy the other day in an axis, you know. And then that's what he posted. He's like, you know, every year I do this one big meat hunt at like Champion Ranch or Record Buck Ranch or whatever. And like, you know, these are some of the animals I shot. What he doesn't post about and brag about is all the other stuff. Excuse me. I just cussed. He put down there, you know. Um, he does. He's one of those guys that goes out and Matt spends a ton of money doing that every year. And a lot of it goes to conservation, mm-hmm. employs, employs people in the, in the hunting and conservation world. Um, but yeah, no, those guys, they get it. They get credit. For helping just as much as anybody, hundred percent. But yeah. people want to knock them, and be like, "Oh, look, you, you just wrote a check and then went and shot an animal." Yeah, but again, let me ask you the same question I asked earlier: How does that affect you? How does that affect you? That's just need, a hater. The I, thing here's the thing about if it's, it's not for you, don't he, do it. Here's someone. Uh, let me give you an example, like a guy like Matt Best. If trapping's not for you, don't trap. Yeah. Don't tell me that I can't. Trapping's not for me. I don't I, like. We do it at our places, but like, I don't. I don't. I'm not going to do that. I don't want to, not because I have a problem with it. I just, it doesn't appeal to me. Yeah. I'm not going to go dig holes and right. put metal and play, I enjoy it. Play but with you, but you're not going to say, Hey cable, you shouldn't do that. Play with beaver poop and all that. It's just, <laughs> it doesn't, you know, uh, the byproduct and the results of it are phenomenal. But a guy like Matt best, they see a dude like that who's six foot two, as handsome as he can be worth hundreds of millions of dollars. That's public information. Um, and they see his hot wife and he's good looking and he, and they, they, it pisses them off. But I've been with friends with Matt and I've been working with Matt for eight years now. And I know what he's done to get there. Mm-hmm. And the people that criticize that, what they see, are incapable of doing what it takes to get there. Right. Uh, just a, a, a fraction of what Matt has done to get to where he is today. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like Matt doesn't seek out suffering. Um, he shoots stuff. In no fence, he shoots stuff in low fence, and he likes to go hang out with some of these guys at these super high-end Texas ranches um, and shoot weird stuff that I don't know how to pronounce. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good on him. Yeah, 100%. Good on him. But Matt's killed a grizzly in Alaska with Cole Kramer. Matt shot an elk. We were there last year together at uh, Deseret in Utah. Um, he's done – he's capable of doing whatever he wants. Right. He runs a publicly traded company. Yeah. So yeah. if he wants to drive That's down That's what his, I like about – working with black rifle is like in the messaging that black rifle puts out is we like guns. We like killing stuff. We don't apologize for it. No, not at all. Never will. Never yeah. will. Um, what is your, I don't, I don't know everything you've killed in Africa, but what's on your bucket list that you haven't hunted yet? Oh, it doesn't man. have to be Africa. It could be anywhere. No, it is. There's a very clear, I've always thought that was a ridiculous question until it became not a ridiculous question about six months ago. Elephant. Big old elephant. But it's not so much the size of the elephant. It's how the elephant is killed. So I'll be 50 in two years. Uh, this this summer, actually, what's today's Ju- July 11th? So this mm. is my, I went to Africa for the first time 20 years ago this month with my brother. Um, I'm going to shoot an elephant probably next summer. Mm-hmm. But it's how it's going to happen. I'm going to shoot it at 15 feet, staring squared up on it. Not from the side, not at distance. I'm going, I got to get in its kitchen, and that's that's what I'm going to do. 
I'll, I'm going to shoot an elephant uh-huh. dead on. Um, another bucket list hunt is a, um, uh, a Cape Buffalo, which I'll probably do in the next few months. There's just, there's just been a ton of stuff on the planes game list that I just really enjoyed. And then last summer was more about Melissa and, but the, the Cape Buffalo is going to have to be in like Mozambique or Tanzania. Mm-hmm. It, there's so Cape Buffalo is on the bucket list, but that's in a specific country. I need, I want it to be in the footsteps of Hemingway. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, the elephant, probably Botswana, but that's going to be face to face with mm-hmm. it. Like with a, with a big bore gun, and it's not an ego thing. I'm not like going to record it or anything, but like I gotta, I got to do it. You have to do I gotta, it. I yeah. gotta feel it. I gotta yeah. see it. It's gonna, it's gonna have to happen. Um, I would like to shoot a nail guy. That, that's not complicated, but it's on the bucket list. And mm-hmm. that's kind of one of those things that's popped up recently. Um, and then, um, dude, I, I took a really big slammer whopper, whitetail in the midwest mm-hmm. i want something i want one of those um and then other stuff is like some spearfishing stuff that's like on the bucket list um i think you'll start seeing more of that from me like my boats our boats down in marathon will be down there in the next uh, july the 23rd we'll be down there for a week but i kept my boat down there all year with the plan to go down there a bunch but i just life got in the way and haven't been back since last july so <laughs> you know but um and then I'll, I'll like uh bucket list another bucket list is to get my shoulder fixed because like that's my range of motion versus this you know uh-huh. like i can't lift it so i can't paddle a surfboard and i used to surf voraciously oh. like i've been to central america i think 44 times oh, wow. surfing a lot yeah and so that's the goal by the end of the year is to get the shoulder fixed so I can start surfing again. Um, that's kind of some bucket list stuff. Right on. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to do an elephant hunt someday, but, you know, elephant hunts are a little bit pricey. Yeah, so. but the thing about the elephant hunt is it doesn't have to be a trophy bull because you can't bring the ivory back. Oh. Uh, uh, Depends uh, on what country you shoot hippo, it in. Hippo. Hippo's, hippo's definitely on the list. But that's, that's like, I want the hippo coming from water onto, like, uh, a sandbar. Mm. Like I want to be standing there. Like I don't want to shoot it in the water yeah. between its eyes and be like, yeah, boys. No, I want it out of the water. Yeah. You well, know. you're going to like that about Cape Buffalo when you do that. Cause that yeah. was, that was a pretty surreal experience. Yeah. And I've only shot one. There's hunters that are listening to this that have shot way more than oh, I will yeah. ever shoot. But, um, but yeah, that's kind of like the bucket list stuff. Um, and then, you know, just mainly like, biggest bucket list stuff just keep having fun that's the main thing is to keep having fun because like i'll go through phases where um i'll just burn out from hunting like you know like i'll like i'll do so much of it and then i'm like yeah i think i'm gonna take the entire next year off and not hunt once and that lasts about two months and then i hear like the first see the first video of a turkey gobbling yeah. and i'm like all right man like i'm doing all, like and the thing oh dude I could have done a double slam this year. I shot two Osceolas, two Rios, two Miriams, and then all I had to do was go hunt turkeys at our place in Georgia, and I'd have had two Easterns, and I'd have done a double slam in one season. And I was just like, I don't have time. I don't want, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, so, but yeah, yeah. that's, you know, um, yeah, that's kind of the bucket stuff. Just keep having fun with it, really, honestly. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's why you do it. Yeah, that's the only reason I do it. I think that if I'm being honest, I think that's the reason we all do it. Mm-hmm. Like what it, hunting and fishing or I took my kids in Galveston three days ago and the smiles on their faces when they're catching fish. You what can't you replicate trout, that. Specs and trout, reds? Yeah, trout. Yeah. I caught a couple sharks and those nasty flatheads or not. Yeah. Uh, not flatheads. Heads. Not flatheads. No. Um, what is the gaff tops and hardheads? Oh, catfish. Yeah. Nasty things. Sea cats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. So much fun. The kids don't care what they catch though. No. Although my daughter, the first fish of the day, she caught the biggest trout. Really? Uh-huh. It's delicious. I yeah. love trout. Oh, Spec- yeah. I love spec trout. I love snapper. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, redfish on the half show is one of my favorites. So oh, my wife a had a huge redfish on and it snapped her off. Really? Just, so we get whoa. more reds in Florida, mm-hmm. in like Steenhatchee where we fished, than you guys get here, but you guys get the big Big reds. Big bull reds. Big bulls. We don't get those big bulls, but we'll we'll get you on volume though. Yeah. So, Um, what's your social media? Um, Black Baker on Instagram. Okay. Really simple. Black Baker on Instagram. At Black Baker. Right on. Right on. Well, man, I appreciate it. Thanks for making the trip. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been a blast. All right. So many phone calls. Finally, get to meet in person. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there you have it. We've been all over the map with uh, Baker Levitt, who was nice enough to fly here all the way from Florida to join us live in studio for what uh, really turned out to be a pretty impromptu discussion. I mean, I had a, a little bit of an outline, but uh, I scrapped that pretty early in the conversation, and uh, we're just shooting from the hip, calling a spade a spade. I certainly enjoyed it. Hope you guys did as well. Uh, that segment of the show was brought to you by the StealthCam DS4K Transmit wireless trail camera. Uh, Sends you photos right there to the app on your phone. And in the highest quality too, 4K video sent right to your cell phone. Incredible. Uh, Also brought to you by All Seasons Feeders and the 600-pound stand-in fill. Unfortunately, we are out of time for today. Got to go. Got to get out of here. Thanks to Baker. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying y'all have a great week in the outdoors. When I lose control, you're going to get yourself a lesson in.